Ruby Butter, mate. We bought a cat and an alien war. We bought a detective. That's true. We bought William Goldberg. Hello. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And joining us today is Mr. Adam Sidorius. Yo, thanks for having me, guys. Welcome to the show once again. Yeah. Third time, right? Right. And it's good to actually be here. I can like feel the hot takes kind of radiating in the room. It will get hotter as the summer goes on, so we're just going to have to... (laughs) We're going to have to control ourselves at a certain point or it's going to get unbearable in here. <laughs> uh, so we're talking Captain Marvel today. I think last time we had you on was what, Hereditary? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then A Wrinkle in Time before that. Okay, wow. So we've come a long way. So we're kind of like, <laughs> yeah, at least improving in quality a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think the main thing here is that uh, you, you are a big Marvel fan. I am, yeah. And we haven't got a chance to talk Marvel yet. So this is right. the big, this is the, the big new Marvel movie of the, this is the first MCU movie of the year, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's it's exciting. It's always exciting to get these these movies yeah. uh, in the discussion. So we'll get to that. Um, before then, we got plenty of stuff to talk about. So let's jump right in. Uh, first up, I want to talk a little bit about Apollo Eleven. So who who saw this? You I see, saw it, and. Saw it? Um, just out of the way, the IMAX experience for this movie is completely unreal. Um, and the restoration footage for this movie, incredible. Yeah, so it's made, It's pretty much all done through... It's all put together through archive footage. Right. Which I found to be like the definitive aspect of the film, that there's no talking heads. Yeah, exactly. There's no narration, At all. nothing. Yeah. So... To, to to mainstream audiences out there, I think that might turn them off a little bit because yeah. there's long stretches of this movie that just rely on you kind of like hearing this garbled, dated, right. like yeah, crunched yeah. up, compressed NASA audio. Well, the most you um ever get is like uh kind of like blips of news narration mm-hmm. um about the landing and uh yeah that's about it like but otherwise like like you said like no actual narration from anyone and that's really appealing because it's kind of like it already makes it unique in its own sense yeah and you're just kind of just there in the moment like you see all the people sitting at the beach and everything that's my favorite part of the movie because it's this beautiful 70 millimeter uh stock film and just seeing like the way these people dressed in 1969 and like the the or like, hair and the sunglasses or like even them like going up to like a hot dog stand and like ordering like a vintage coke or something yeah. like it's just it's like crispy cream too yeah and it was almost like 4k like it looked like 4k quality it's like the it's, restoration's really well done like some of the best i've maybe ever seen in my life mm-hmm. like because i can't think of any other movie with restoration footage that is as clear and vibrant as this well yeah and imax too yeah, and imax that's too. the that's the way to see it. unfortunately it was a very limited run because right. Captain Marvel is now taking over all the IMAX screens. Yeah. 
But I would still recommend seeing it on the big screen if you get a chance. Yeah, I really want to get around to seeing it. I'm sad that I missed it in IMAX, but I still want to check it out. To your point about it uh, turning off wide audiences, I did see something funny on Letterboxd. Because I guess there's... I haven't seen it, but they said there's some kind of a docking sequence uh, that takes place there's two. at some point. There's two. But there's a docking sequence, and somebody was just like, this wasn't nearly as like... This is so much worse of a docking sequence than Apollo 13. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but this is real life. This is a documentary. This actually no, happened. Dude, some of those shots blew my mind. Like, I want to see a documentary about how they put those cameras actually, on that spaceship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually agree with that because it. I didn't even know they did that before I saw the movie. Like, I didn't realize... Because, like, when they actually had footage... And granted, it's very grainy and that's not... Yeah, some of it's, like, super 8, like, very yeah. low, low quality. So, granted, it's not, like... I'm, like, it's not great footage or anything, but I didn't even realize they did that at all. Like, they, I didn't realize they had footage of, like, the outside of the ship. I didn't realize that. It's... it's Some of those shots, like... I, I can understand why some people would think that the movie drags in the middle, and I could feel it a little bit, because that the actual trip to the moon, there's not that much archival footage to work with. Right. But I think one of the best things about the film is the editing, and how it manages to still keep you, like, very, very compelled. And then the sound the soundtrack the music oh yeah it's it all comes together perfectly you know what i forgot about that the soundtrack in the movie i didn't even realize it's gonna have like a score or anything it's but it's, it's propulsive an, it's intense. it is yeah especially when they first take off and Dude, like that that take yes. off is insane yeah and like so good it's kind of like a techno kind of beat well yeah because it goes yeah. to the second countdown it's oh, like on man. beat uh i had chills dude me like, too <laughs> there's one shot where you see the thruster yeah. take up the entire frame <sighs> and it's just slowly rising. Ugh. Did you see that uh, Altamont? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, because like when I saw it, like it, the theater was like rattling yes. during that sequence. Yeah, like you could feel like the ceiling <laughs> the s- like rattling my, like, my during the takeoff. Seat, my chair yeah. was shaking. Yeah, dude, I was like seriously like chills all down my body during that entire sequence because it was just so. It felt like a kind of a once in a lifetime kind of experience mm-hmm. to watch actual footage in real time. I mean, not exactly real time, but but it puts some you in the are. it puts you in the moment. Yeah, especially going back to those uh, uh, kind of like the common people shots of yeah. the the observers. Like those were some of my favorite shots because it it's obviously it's not recreated. Right, like, exactly. It's, it's just the real thing. It's completely authentic. And just real quick, I liked um, also the control room sequences in this movie because I loved seeing like um, like the kind of they celebrate, but then they get right back to work. Yeah, because they have to go to the next problem. Like, like they celebrate right back. To yes, work. exactly. That's what I loved about it. And it was just so actually in that one sequence when it was like uh, it was like the song about like the common man or something, and it was like going through all the different faces of the NASA, like as they were like working on the problems and mm-hmm. like watching the monitors and everything. Yes, like it was just. It was very human, very heartfelt, um, and it, there's like no like running theme of the movie, but you still feel emotion in that sequence because you're seeing all the humans put all their hard work into one unified goal. Well, this this is something that I wanted to get at, and Hunter, when you get a chance to see it, I'll I'll want to touch on this again. But there's a lot of parallels to First Man, obviously, right. yeah, because uh, that's the story of Neil Armstrong. But when First Man uh, chooses to go super macro. Uh, or sorry, micro into Neil Armstrong as a person. This movie, like, just uh, this documentary, focuses more on like the immensity of this achievement 
and what it was like because it's all about just like the actual launch like mm. you it starts at, at the beginning of the day of the launch and it ends when they actually return back from the moon so right. it's just about that moment and it really captures the immensity of what this moment means yeah and the the people themselves they're, they're not the focus of the movie but you still get a sense of like all of yeah. the different types of like really hardworking individuals that worked on this. The best way I could describe it is like it's kind of like Dunkirk as a documentary. It's more about the event, yes. not so much the people. I mean, Dunkirk was about is sort of about the people, but not about any specific story or I got to get back to my wife or anything like that. Yeah. It's about collective people. And one of the things going back to the editing too, one of yeah. the things I I found really effective is you get these like origin story like quick summaries yeah. of the three astronauts it's just like flashes really of photographs yeah like it just it's basically like first man in like three seconds yeah exactly just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> this is this guy's story like probably they spend as like a time on all the astronauts like within a minute yeah like, as they're getting ready yeah. with the suits yeah and that's about it like that's all you get and that's all you really need because again it's not about their story it's not about their kids their wives that they gotta get back to it's about Everyone at NASA collectively mm. accomplishing one yeah. giant goal. And uh, before I forget, when you mentioned the control room shots. There's this one shot where it just pans like across the entire yeah. control room. Like when he was like kind of like sp- it's like a dolly. Yeah, move. yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. a back dolly yeah. move. Oh, it's and like, so people well like done. staring at him like yeah. as he was like passing by. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was probably on like a rolly chair, like someone yeah. pulling him. Yeah, it was amazing. That is really cool though, just because I mean, like, what actually goes into taking place to get somebody to the moon doesn't just involve the three astronauts that were on the ship. It takes like hundreds, thousands of people's work to actually get to that point. So I'm really interested in seeing it just for that to see. I would, I would recommend catching it before it leaves theaters, even though it's not in IMAX anymore. It's still worth it. I, I think it's one of the best movies of the year so far. It's like, I did not think it was going to be that good. And it does sort of drag a little bit in the middle because it, it, it has to, uh, it has to reach a little bit more to keep you engaged because mm. there's not that much footage to work with. Like the best footage is when you're actually on Earth, right? And then when they're in space, like the, it relies a lot on like these graphics that they make of like that was really how cool, the ship actually. moves. Yeah, especially like the science and the math of it, like mm-hmm. on the side and like like little dots and like launching points and stuff. Like it was really cool the way they did it, like the little animations. Yeah. So like all around it was just really very uniquely crafted. Yes. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend it. It's Apollo eleven, still in theaters. It'll probably be out on video on demand, but try to see it in theaters if you can. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on real quick to a show I saw called Escape at Denimora, which is on Showtime. I haven't finished it yet, so I'll probably talk about it more once I do finish it, but I've seen half of it. It's based on a true story of these guys that broke out of prison, so spoilers uh, for a true story, in <laughs> northern New- upstate New York. Right. Uh, it's directed by Ben Stiller, stars Benicio Del Toro, Patricia Arquette, and Paul Dano. Yeah. Uh, sadly, it's a 2018 show, so it won't be on my list of best of 2019 but it would be if i could put it (laughs) because retroactively throw it on there it's so damn well put together it's like a movie you know it's like sometimes we run into this little bit of a wall of like the line between a movie and a show i know we talked about this with twin Mm -hmm. peaks uh but this like the way ben stiller put this together it really feels like a movie it feels like this sort of like i don't know like 90s uh 
thriller that we don't get anymore. And now it's found its place on TV, on Showtime. And all of the drama is in how these guys break out of prison. It doesn't matter who they were before, who, what led them to even end up in prison. It's all about like how they actually achieve this crazy thing. So I, I, I love it. Yeah. I, um, I'm really amazed by the show because I, I wasn't really expecting anything when I started. I just saw like uh, what it was on nominated for Golden Globes. It won. Uh, Patricia Arquette won. Right, right. And after that, I started like early January, and I didn't think I would do this, but I binged it all in two days. Oh wow! Yeah, it's only seven episodes, seven well, hours. Yeah, I was kind of like anticipating like taking two or three weeks on it because yeah. I was like, it's, it's gonna be good, but I'm not gonna get like that hooked. I was in from like the opening scene, and I just couldn't stop. Like it was um, amazing, and I won't spoil anything. Don't worry, but. Um, just the way they go through their stories and the way you slowly learn more about them. And then again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but by the end, everything that you know, and then like the full picture of the entire thing that happened is just chilling. And yeah. the way that Ben Stiller directs it is really like, he's kind oh, of the star of the great. movie. Like his direction is, it's just very fluid and very um authentic. And uh, it's like grainy kind of throwback ish. Yes. That's what I'm trying to get at with like, yeah. sort of like the slightly vintage look that it. Yeah. Has. And every Even, time like, the title cards. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like every time it comes up, it's like very vintage and like the way he even like, sometimes we'll do it like right in the first few minutes or sometimes we'll do it like 10 minutes in, like you never know when it's going to pop yeah. up. <laughs> it's really cool the way they do it. And there's no like title sequence. It's just, exactly. it's just like escape a denim. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like really quick too. And I, just everything about it. I mean, and Patricia Arquette in this show, I really forgot that it was her. Yeah, because she she transforms. It's, it's she's it's so amazing. good. Yeah. Like she is so yeah. good, and I feel like she always gets overlooked whenever you talk about like some of the best actresses that are working right now. But I'm never disappointed wherever Patricia Arquette is in anything. Well, her yeah. role here is is truly amazing because she plays this kind of like just very simple person, very dubious and right. gullible. Uh, she gets just swept up in this plot, in this breakout plot, and you you keep this constant sense that like she's way in over her head. She doesn't quite grapple the gravity of like what is happening, right. what who she's enabling. She, who does she play? Like who is she? She portraying? is she is the civilian that okay. works at the prison and just runs this like textile sewing job mm-hmm. that the prisoners just work on yeah they build they like make pants and uniforms and right. stuff right and she um i'm trying to remember what because you're on episode four right mm-hmm. um she kind of like just starts a relationship with paul dano at the beginning yeah that's like and, episode one which kind of links to her getting involved with benicio Notoro, and then all three of them together are kind of the people behind the breakout okay. um that's not exactly spoilers it's just like the basic premise yeah. of the show and um it's just heartbreaking to see her because she her marriage is like it's not non-existent it's not abusive but it's like it's even it's it's really sad too loveless yeah it's loveless it's just like you know very by the numbers day by day stuff like her husband is just like this really uh, what's the word i just want to say like a simple guy like just kind of dumb very vanilla unassuming yeah. yeah like not not intelligent in the slightest and uh has let his marriage just sink into this place where there's no not even the slightest hints of romance at all right yeah and it's and you want to like if there's any other situation you would kind of feel bad but 
and you don't feel good about what's happening to her, but it's kind of just like, well, she's kind of just putting herself in this situation and there's no like sympathy for her either. It's just kind of like she's her own person and her performance is really what makes it so dynamic. Mm -hmm. It's that she's able to be not a completely likable person. We don't hate her either. Um, it's pretty interesting. Well, the the to me the the reason for her even jumping into this thing with these prisoners is to feel a sense of self right. that she doesn't have. Yeah, and I won't spoil it, but like when you get further along in the show, um, you learn more about pretty much every character. And I'll say the final episode is the best one of the entire season okay. uh, or series rather. Um, because you, yeah, it's, they're not, it's not a second season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it. so once you get to the, like the final episode, it's the best of the series and it's because you go through this entire journey with these characters. And then once you get to that, you know, finale, um, and you learn everything that you learn, it's so, I don't say satisfying, but you go through like a full scale, like kind of adventure. Yeah. It just goes back to the original point I made about it feeling like a movie. Like yeah. it, 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 it's just this one complete story. And it just kind of goes to that point that um, television really is the next kind of form of long-term storytelling. Yeah. It's just like, you probably could have made a good movie about this, but you wouldn't have been able to cover as much ground. Right. Um, Especially these episodes that I'm in right now where they find like way how they're, literally going to make their way out right. of the prison and the way it's shot it's like these very claustrophobic sets yeah. that feel like they literally went underground into a bunker mm-hmm. it's like you you never get the sense that like oh this is just this is a set that they built like it, it stiller just puts you in these really cramped spaces that when paul dano is cutting his way with a tiny tiny hacksaw hacksaw into a very small cramped pipe and he climbs into the pipe and he starts having a fucking panic attack. You almost start to have a panic attack along with him. (laughs) It's very, very effective. Yeah, it is. And also because Paul Dano is like a fantastic actor and he's really great in this show. This might be the best I've ever seen him. This might Um, be better than There Will Be Blood. Swiss Army Man? I don't... Ooh, Swiss Army Man is (laughs) Swiss Army Man. Little Miss Sunshine's pretty damn (laughs) good. He's so good. He's amazing. Yeah. Also, Benicio Del Toro, he always kind of plays sort of the same like strange... Uh, uh, archetype of like a guy that is out to do something nasty and weird yeah, right. and bad. I feel like Sicario is the ultimate version of that where you're just like I don't trust this guy from exactly. the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, he always plays this guy but it, it just works here. He's very suave in this which I like. Like he's yeah. very um, <laughs> like he can just kind of go up to prison guards and be like what's up man? Like yeah. what's up? What's happening? His right. relationship with that the main prison guard David yes. Morse that's, that's one of the good, best parts of the show. And that's like the thing I really liked about the first two episodes is that you kind of and again, with the long term long term storytelling thing, is that you really get a sense of the relationships with everyone in the prison and how they're able to pull this off because mm-hmm. of how much freedom he has in a yeah. prison. It's really interesting, like because um, they take the time to uh, like just show what his position of power is. This prison, like he's a prisoner, but he's able to have so much authority over over uh, other inmates and the guards and the guards yeah. even yeah like is i don't know if you got to this part but he puts like another guard in his place at one point and it's just 
it's so weird to watch but and it all happened which is crazy that's what i'm saying like it makes it's so much sense that's what makes it even crazier i don't know where the line is between like how much they actually know of some of these details like how much right. freedom they had in crafting the story so once i actually finish it i'll have to go back and do some research yeah uh because some of the things are like man they they right how <laughs> yeah how i'm sure he dramatized this? a little yeah, bit they must have. but I mean, even so, like, it's just, it's great storytelling. It really is. Yeah. And um, I I wish there was kind of like a best, because we might have to get to this point at some point, but the Golden Globe's like best director for television. Mm. Because like with um, Big Little Lies, like Mark uh, Jean Vallée, I think mm-hmm. his name is, yep. he should be nominated for like Who a also best director. Um, uh, the show with Amy Adams last uh, year. Oh, Shark Object. Shark, Shark Object. Object. Yeah. yeah. Well, they... There is an award for directing like individual episodes. Oh, there is. Yeah. Okay. It, it's not a. It's not an award for directing like a series. So right. it is the series that's nominated, but it's actually like a specific episode okay. because of the way television works. Because they usually switch out. Right. Directors right. The voters episode. are not going to watch every like the entire series of every show that's nominated. But I see what you mean else. that there right. must be there should be a separate category for these kind of like auteur seasons well i'm saying if we keep going in this direction like with david lynch doing all the episodes of twin peaks yeah and like you know stuff like that like if we keep going down this path where more directors they're kind of getting frustrated with the medium of film and they want to go to tv and like showtime hbo netflix even mm-hmm. is giving them opportunities to tell these long stories then i could see even more like maybe christopher nolan one day could do something like Whoa. that or, well, or paul thomas anderson oh man i would love to watch like, a PTA show. like i think he's ooh. even said that before that, that paul thomas anderson me, would be into that a gives TV me show. chills just thinking about i mean that. Th- well i mean really more so than tv because tv and in, in essence is kind of infinite in the way that it's uh classically said but the whole i mean miniseries have become like the new premiere thing nowadays right. that like we're about to talk about true detective which is essentially now three different miniseries that have some kind of resemblances maybe in the same universe together but otherwise yeah. they're three completely distinct stories and yeah. i yeah. love to see more filmmakers and uh kind of visionaries i just had a random platform. thought i just had like what if inherent vice was like instead of a movie what if it was like a limited series of Joaquin Phoenix? I would Whoa. so much like as maybe watch a six that. episode. Thing. I feel like that would be. So and much you know how better. there's like six different mysteries in that movie. Yeah. Um, well, you then, could even break it up into more of an ensemble cast where you explore right. more of like the Josh Brolin storyline, or, or you could you could go down these yeah, different routes. Exactly, and like you're just given like more time to like learn about these characters. Yeah. And this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but just the idea that um, Buster Scruggs is going to be a show at one point. Yeah. Uh, until it was it was condensed into a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even the Coen brothers were open to it at one point. Um, so I'm just saying all these different directors, they're open to doing these things. Yeah. Because uh, it's more maybe satisfying on a filmmaking standpoint. Well, yeah, more freedom. That's what David Lynch talked about with Showtime with, right. with Twin Peaks. Yeah, that... that's why he went to Showtime was yeah. because nobody else would actually give him like full 100% creative control. He gets final cut. He gets final say and everything else. And I mean, even if filmmakers aren't making the entire like directing every single episode. I mean, look at Fincher. Fincher hasn't made a movie since 2014. Oh, Jesus. Wow. But he's just that's five he's years just, now. I just realized Mindhunter, that. Wow. And Mindhunter has a new season coming out. And that's one of the reasons why I just want to watch Mindhunter is because I need more Fincher yeah. in my life. Because right. <laughs> well, everything he tries to do, it's just getting like, um, they like cut it because of the budget because he's going to do the Cleopatra thing. 
for HBO, I think. That and that's been floating around so much. Yeah. Yeah. Fincher, too. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I was into that. Yeah, but I, then they just never. Fincher Fincher uh, shot like two different pilots for HBO that never aired. Really? Yeah. One was a like an autobiographical thing about how his career started okay. making uh, music videos. Okay. And I don't remember what the other one was, but like he was working on stuff. That just hasn't made the light of day. Wow, I, yeah. I had no idea. That's actually yeah. pretty interesting. All right, well, that's uh, Escape at Denimora. Highly, highly recommend it. I'll be talking about it again once I finish it because it's... Yeah, it's it, amazing. It, yeah, I'm like itching to finish it. Uh, so, Hunter, let's get to what you want to talk about. Um, so, this week, I saw uh, All the President's Men. Um, actually, for the first time. Wow. I didn't realize that I had never seen it before. On the big screen? Yep, on the big screen. It's playing at the NZ in here in town. That's right. Uh, yeah. William Goldman Ooh, tribute. Okay. Um, I, I, <laughs> for some reason, I thought that I had seen this movie before, and I was realized, like, as soon as the movie started, that I was thinking of A Few Good Men. Not all the oh. presidents men. <laughs> completely different movie. Very different movie. That's uh, Jack Nicholson. Right? Yeah, Tom yeah, Cruise. Yeah. yeah, completely different film. You can't yeah. handle the truth. Yeah, this uh, this movie is incredible. It's like so many of like the best filmmakers and actors like on Apex Mountain right here. Like I think that this is the best Robert Redford performance here. He is just so good as um. As a uh, Rob Bob Woodward, who's uh one of the I should say this is like one of the best investigative journalism movies like it's, it's of all true, time. I'd say it story. is the. I think that I think that it is. I mean, yeah. they showed this movie in like journalism classes in like college yeah. and high school. And it's stuff the Watergate because, scandal, right? Yep, yeah, it's the Watergate scandal. Have you ever seen All the President's Men before? I, I remember catching it on cable back in yeah, the day. Yeah, it used to play on cable. It's a like, big cable all the AMC time. all yeah. the yeah. time. But I I don't I haven't visited it revisited it uh, lately. Yeah, but it's about a. Bob Woodward and uh, Carl Bernstein, who are two young up-and-coming reporters for the Washington Post, um, who uh, kind of uh, they kind of crack the scandal open on Watergate. It first starts as just this little thing, and then they kind of follow the money trail. This movie, this movie is most notably uh, the sequel to uh, 2017's The Post. The Post. Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's what it's most commonly known as. Yeah. It takes place literally right after the events of The Post. Yeah. Well, The so Post like has it, a, a leads into it. It ends on like a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> One of my friends, he even describes the end of The Post like as a Marvel movie's ending. Yeah. Or like a post credit scene. For like The Post <laughs> cinematic universe. Yeah. Um, Jason Robarts as Ben Bradley is so good. Yeah. And with like... Probably like a total of like seven, eight minutes of screen time. Right. He just like carries the weight of this movie so much. Um, we have Hall, uh, uh, not Hall Ashby. That's a director. Uh, Hall <laughs> Albrook, I want to say his name is, um, who plays Deep Throat, um, who you never see his face. He's just a shadow, um, that is an actual real person, um, it was later revealed uh, towards the end of his He's life. He's the rat. Towards mm-hmm. the end of the life in like his eighty his eighties or so, whenever he was about to die, um, he came out and said that was him. At this time he was like the number two or the number three in the FBI, which is why he was feeding um he was feeding uh, Robert Redford's character all this information because he was privy to all of it. Yeah. And the way that this movie is just all shot and put together is so like it's so captivating for a film that's just dudes like sitting on the phone talking to people. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. It's like this movie shouldn't work for being two and a half hours of people doing like phone interviews or in-person interviews with people. But it's just Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman just killing it as this amazing. There's such great complimentary pieces to each other. Um, it was funny because uh, just fairly recently, within the last year or so, I just watched Midnight Cowboy. And uh, Dustin Hoffman's performance here is like if uh, everything for his character in Midnight Cowboy actually went right in his life, but he's still playing the same like manic dude, like smoking cigarettes constantly. One of the best lines in the movie, because throughout the film, you just see him like just smoking everywhere, smoking the car, smoking the elevator. And uh, Redford at one point just turns around and just like, do you smoke everywhere? (laughs) So there is a really good uh, humor to this movie. Um, How how much longer after... Midnight Cowboy was this. Uh, this Midnight the... Cowboy was 69, oh, I want to okay. say, so about five years. This is 76. This is yeah. really when um, Dustin Hoffman kind of, like, this time period in mid to late 70s is when Dustin Hoffman became Dustin Hoffman. Like, he uh, right. he got nominated for his performance in Midnight Cowboy, but then after this, you have Tootsie, you have, um, let's see, I think Rain Man that... was 80s? Rain uh, Man was nice. 90s. It was, yeah. Yeah, Rain Man, I think, was early It was either 89 or early 90s, around that time. Yeah. Um, what has Dustin Hoffman he, done recently? Uh, he was oh. in Meyerowitz Stories. Um, oh, Mr. Yeah. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> really, if you, uh, if you look at his stretch that he had from um, 73 to 82... It goes uh, Papillon, which I've always heard great oh, things yeah. about. Lenny, in which he played Lenny Bruce. Great movie. Um, I've never seen got, it. Have you, see, have you seen Lenny? No, I haven't seen Lenny. It's on. I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon Prime. I've heard of it, Is but it? I've never seen it. It's amazing. It's, I mean, he looks... He kind of like has the essence of Lenny Bruce, so I yeah. can just see that okay. working well. Um, then he's in Marathon Man and All the President's Men in 1976. Oh wow! Both uh, written by William Goldberg. Okay, nice. both those movies. So that's how he like kind of became Dustin Hoffman. And really. then 1979 Kramer versus Kramer, probably um, his best performance. I've never seen Kramer wow. versus Kramer, and I've always wanted to because I've heard it's like the perfect story for uh, uh, divorced children. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To it watch. is. Yeah. It speaks very, I mean, it'll hit home for anyone that watches it, mm-hmm. but, you know, if your parents are divorced, like, it really does hit home, and it's it's a beautiful movie, Um, and both, I think it's Meryl Streep and his best performances. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. Like Which is a, yeah. it's a bold claim, but yeah. it's true, I think. That's, yeah, I, I need to check that out, but I just, I still, like, I have a soft spot for uh, Midnight Cowboy, because I think that movie is, like, nearly perfect. It's just, it's, it... Midnight Cowboy to me like is what sparked the griminess and kind of the looking at the underbelly that you see in films in the 70s because that movie came out 69 kind of sparked this new generation but um still all the presidents man is so good uh people kind of it's between this and uh, Butch Cassidy for William Goldman's best script I actually kind of lean more towards all the presidents men I do too because it's so um, thoroughly written and also uh, there's so much uh there's so much more that you have to do with this when uh, butch cassidy i don't want to take anything away from that butch cassidy is an amazing film but you can kind of almost lean on this is a western Mm -hmm. for uh a lot of kind of the tropes and uh what's more action dialogue yeah more action where this is just it's people talking like you watch this and you're like 
oh, this is who Sorkin is inspired by. It's smart people talking about smart things. Well, I was going to say that because I think not only Sorkin, but I think it kind of paved the way for like journalism movies in general. Oh, yeah. Um, like I don't think without this movie you would have Spotlight, or at least the way that Spotlight is constructed. Yeah. Because Spotlight... The timely, the timely like, importantness of And it also all. just the, you know, the confidence in making sure your story is so important and so... Um, riveting that you can take it place and just in an office for pretty yeah. much the entire movie. Well, and to uh, to that point, because I I was getting like major spotlight vibes while watching this, and <laughs> the thing that both this movie does that Spotlight also emulated was it's a movie that starts on the fringes. It looks at just these individuals who were caught, and then it slowly works its way in to find that it just keeps going up and up and up in the chain. Like whenever uh, this going back to Watergate. People didn't just like hear about this happening and immediately blame Nixon. It was it started years. in there. Yeah. It started from the bottom and then it slowly worked its way up and that proved to be the most effective. Like now um I, before this movie started uh it was introduced by um this guy uh Henry who is kind of the voice of the Enzian. Uh he like came out in person and talked the about old the guy? movie. Yeah, yeah, the old yeah. guy. I met him once. He's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I didn't actually meet it. He was just standing around talking he was to there people in afterwards. Person? Yeah, he was there in person. Um and he Whoa. actually worked for the Washington Post and knew Ben Bradley. Wow. Oh my yeah. god. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So he was kind what of What did a, he do? He was a reporter. Oh. He like started film critic. He, he started for the working Post. there for a while. <laughs> um but he uh he was kind of talking about how like you know this whole connotation of like fake news has such like a derogatory oh, term yeah, nowadays Trump. but this okay, is yeah. like i mean that's what makes this movie so timeless is that everything that you watch in this movie can be applied to oh politics God, today yeah. and not just to trump it could go back to obama administration the bush like this is something that happens constantly in politics that's people doing dirty things and throwing them under the rug like this is always going to be something that happens not just the politics side but the 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 that's the job of journalists yeah like that's the entire point you kind of of have to just keep free press digging yeah and yeah that's kind of just shows the beauty of it It almost makes you wonder like if maybe uh things in society would have been better if uh we just kind of started on the fringes and worked our way up the chain to trump versus like blaming him immediately (laughs) because then you blame the person at the top and immediately people just deflect 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 where if you like actually spend the time gather evidence and close in that circle um yeah i don't this movie is like amazing it's a masterpiece there's a reason why like this movie is just held up over the years and it's both timely and timeless in the best possible way i just i just had a quick thought back to apollo 11 real quick because they show nixon there's footage of nixon in the film and he's like on the battleship that picks them up from the ocean right. when they land back on Earth. And I just kept thinking like, and he also, he like calls them one when, when they're on the moon. Yep. Like he, he addresses them and yeah. like the importance of the moment. Yeah. And I, I just kept thinking like, imagine if Trump had to be put in the position <laughs> to like <laughs> congratulate this big... I mean, hey, Space Force is coming soon, <laughs> yeah. so you never Space know. Space Force. <laughs> Jude Lies is right there at the front lines of Space Force, guys. <laughs> uh all right, let, you want to get into True Detective? All right, yeah. I want to I got I 
should say I just finished the season finale like right before I came here. So I'm like unpacking things okay. as I'm talking about them right now. Um, do you want to get right into spoilers? Do you want to talk about overall let's thoughts just on do, the season? Let's just do quick overall thoughts. I already voiced my thoughts last week. I really, really enjoyed the show. Thought the finale was very underwhelming, but oh, okay. I wow. can see what Pizzolatto was trying to go for. And we can unpack that once we dive into spoilers. Um, but let me let me hear what you guys thought. Um, I thought not quite as I don't think it uh, overcome season one, but I thought it was just as good as season one uh, in many respects. I, I do agree that maybe season one sticks the landing a little bit better. Um, but season three, as far as like character work goes and the performances, even oh, yeah. especially um, and just like the whole journey that you go on over all these different years and the way it kind of overlaps in time, you know, going back and forth. It's amazing. And the mystery, I'd say, is a little bit more interesting than the one in season one. Totally agree. Because um, yeah. you really get, uh, maybe because of Scoob McNary's performance, you really get invested in trying to find these kids, or um, the daughter, really. Yeah. And um, you want, it just, everything about it, it's just very perfectly crafted. Yeah. Um, unlike season two, which felt very um, weightless, almost. Uh, I, f- I mean, we could have a whole nother podcast about season two and how that was just so convoluted. It was. <laughs> and it, because... The thing I missed about season one when I was watching season two was how it felt like everything mattered. Season two, it didn't feel like anything mattered, really. There's just so many different So scattered. Scenes. Yeah. Like, I didn't like season two at all. And well, season three was kind of a return to form. Yeah, I can't speak for season two because I watched the first episode and I was like, ah, it doesn't really have the same vibe. And then I waited to hear about reviews and stuff. And people are like, yeah, don't watch this show. So then I never saw season two. And, like, it seems like the filmmakers, like, HBO and Nick Pizzolatto want to forget that season yeah. two ever happened either. There's a there's allusions to season one the events of season one in the show but never anything about season two and i think that they just want to bury that deep down it's it's a shame because it had such a great cast with vince vaughn colin farrell rachel mcadams and everyone's good in this season they're trying their best but the story is very very dense and obtuse and it there's nothing to like for just the casual viewer to latch onto in the slightest way. It was way. 2015, right? Or 2016? Well, it must have been 15 because season one was 14. Right. So they probably followed it up well, right after. I was going to ask, like, how long has it been since season two? Like three years almost. At this right? point, yeah. Or four. Yeah, season four, one yeah, came four out. Now. Wow. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, that's how bad season two was. They were like, yo, take your time, <laughs> yeah, take, it, take it back. Nick Pitts. Well, because uh, was he even involved in season two? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. he wrote it. Yeah. Right. I, um... I, you know, I wish that I, it's just been, it's been five years since season one came out, but my like initial reaction is that I kind of like season three a little bit more than season one, just because I think the mystery is just so much better. And like you said about the character work, like these people actually feel like characters. I, I mean, as much as I love Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey having existential talks about uh, the universe and different uh, space-time theories, this feels more like an actual detective story. Um, Again, I can't really... uh, speak entirely like episode to episode i do think season one definitely nails the uh landing a lot better than this one but this season was also so much more ambitious that i was expecting red herrings to be in here we'll talk about how many red herrings there were in this season (laughs) because there was a lot but yeah (laughs) (laughs) um do you guys just want to get into spoilers because um yeah 
Uh, so if you want to skip forward to a review of Captain Marvel, you can do so. Just go down the show notes, click that timestamp. Um, so we're it, and if you have seen True Detective, or if you just don't care and want to hear us chat about what happens, keep listening. Uh, we're gonna get into spoilers right now. Okay. So um, one thing that is a critical flaw of this show, and I think that this is kind of inherent to the type of show that this is, is it relies almost entirely on exposition. And the ending is no different from that. We finally meet Mr. June, the the black man Michael with a dead eye. Yeah, Michael Rooker. Yeah. Who um gives a twelve minute explanation of everything that happened <laughs> yeah. the entire series? Literally, he pulls up to the guy's driveway. He's like, "Hey, get in my car. I want to explain everything to you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it it was just kind of uh, I was kind of underwhelmed, but also just kind of perplexed by the ending. I mean, this ended up being a show about a love story, like it was really and a friendship, like, two love stories and like friendship where it. The actual, um, this whole theory that has been building about this tying into season one with the sex trafficking with children, and they even allude to uh, the characters from season one. I'm blanking on their names. McConaughey and Rust, Rust, Rust Cole, Cole and um, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Marty. Marty. That's yeah, right. Rust yeah, and yeah, Marty. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like they even allude to them like, yeah, they never really expanded on this. So there could be more people, the five horsemen theory of all these different people that were, yeah. and then in the end it was like, no, this, there was just kind of, uh, this daughter of the, um, the Hoyt family, essentially Tyson of this universe that, uh, just their daughter was kind of crazy and well, wanted I a new daughter. That, though. I like that they kind of threw that one reference in like what episode six or something. Yeah. And they were like, here it is for everyone that's like kind of speculating right now. This is going to like make them go even crazier. And then it ends up being something completely different by the end. Well, that, that whole character, the blonde chick, um, the, the reporter, um, no, that, that character, no, 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 no. she, she is one of the biggest red herrings in the whole show because right. she keeps popping up and the whole point of her being there is just to get old um, Hayes to, you know, cope with his memory loss in relation to the case. And yeah. she's not really a character. So I, I kept thinking that at some point she was going to become a character because they were hinting at it yeah. with the relationship that she was building with the son. And there and she was... just goes away. She isn't even in the finale. Exactly. So I thought that she was going to play a much bigger role in the finale and somehow... Uh, showing that there was this bigger conspiracy that she was onto, and that she was onto these like really like crackpot crazy theories that were right. going to bring well, some light to everything. That's why, like, I almost feel like this finale was kind of uh, Nick Pizzolatto doing a commentary on the conspiracy culture that we have. It was very meta from the sense of like right. we want to we want what uh this interviewer is saying what the director is saying we want all of that to be right we want it to all be this crazy collusion right. theory. larger meaning and to then it, in the yeah. end i mean because i i've been listening to also shout out to uh the ringer for uh the flat circle podcast that jason and uh chris ryan yeah that yeah. um i kind of was watching the show and then listening to episodes and everything but this whole series they've been kind of going back and forth on is this director, is she closer to, like, somebody from Serial, or is she closer to somebody from InfoWars? Well, and it really kind of ends up in the InfoWars side, where she right. just kind of is throwing these crazy 
uh, colluding theories yeah, out there, grasping at straws well, that but even, don't actually connect. Even the whole concept of having a true detective after show like the Ringer guys had, <laughs> that in itself is part of yeah. the quote-unquote <laughs> problem that Nick Pitts is trying to point out. Yeah, because, out. I mean, he points right. out, like, all the theories, like, there's so many just red herrings galore in this show, which almost to a frustrating point. I mean, whenever you were describing the ending uh, last week, Ernest, I was just like, is it kind of, like, similar to Twin Peaks, The Return? That and it, it is kind of in the way that I have almost just as many questions now as i did beforehand it, it's not as artfully done as david yeah. lynch but still yeah i mean i think but that's what i was saying with the um when they do that one reference to season one about like the um connection to that case or whatever yeah. i think that really was some kind of like trolling the audience a little bit it, so and this is for have. all you people that are like analyzing the shit out of like out of every episode <laughs> it's for reddit this is for you guys <laughs> so i can throw an even bigger curveball at you and then say a big fuck you at the end that's <laughs> nothing to do with that and i and i kind of like the idea that it was about the human moments and I do too, yeah. and the because that was the best points the best points of this well yeah season. the the brotherly friendship between these two detectives is so well realized like there's so many layers to their performances right. and and the writing that in their interactions i just i really wanted more out of what was going to come from these revelations like when i saw hayes get into that car given everything that had been set up to that point about what his relationship was to his daughter and why she was gone from the picture, how his his wife was dead in the 2015 timeline. There's all these questions that relate to the familial relationships that had been unanswered. Right. And I really if I could if I could do like quick maths, I would have done like that. He gets picked up in the car and he's threatened by um Michael Rooker about the security guard that he, that they murdered and he's basically uh, he basically makes it so he can't he can't possibly crack the case anymore he can't possibly right. pursue the case anymore because he there's dirt on him and he has to go back to his wife and a, a wife who wants to hear him explain why he was burning his clothes and he can't she leaves him and the daughter blames him for it and completely rejects him for the rest of his life because of it. That was actually where I thought that the show was going to go because it's never explicitly said. It just says uh, your wife is gone. Never says dead is gone. Right. And then we keep hearing about like, you know, I mean, the son keeps saying stuff to him about just like, oh, no, Becca, she doesn't want to come out here. Like, she she doesn't want to be here, all this kind of stuff. And we never learned, and like... we don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, like, does she just, like, hate the country? Like, what, we, we what get, is that? Yeah, we get that, that moment in the car where she, like, she says that she misses him. And then she says, like, I miss you right now. And then she starts crying. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of it. Well, but that kind of makes me just think, I mean, between, like, moments like that... And how the show actually ends, the final shot that we get, which is him the flashing Vietnam. back to yeah. the 90s, he walks into the sun, and then he's just, like, in the woods again. This whole last episode has just had such, like, a dreamlike quality to it that I'm almost, like, that's so why I'm still trying to put the pieces together of what exactly it all means. Some people have theorized on, like, Reddit and other places that uh, this was all just, like, uh, like 
um, I can't remember exactly what the term like a of hallucination, is, but of yeah, some it's sort. kind of just like how you will see. Like they say that your life flashes before your eyes before you die, but sometimes you'll see like a future life flash before your eyes before you die, and this was all just some big hallucination. I don't really think that's the case because he like correctly predicted like cell phones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing happening. So, right. but it's still predicted just, like, the first season of True Detective. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he just put exactly. all this together in like a split second. But it's just kind of baffling. Just kind of putting these pieces together and what exactly does all mean? What does she mean when she says "I miss you" right now? Does that just mean because of his failing state that he's having? I guess, yeah. Yeah, I think so because it's, he's not exactly the person he was. Yeah. Um, and I kind of liked that it was more about it was just it was more simple than I thought it was going to be by the end. But I think that's just a bigger point to every all the mistakes he made. It wasn't like a big conspiracy thing. It was just that he put so much of his emotions into and the heart case. into the case. And that's ultimately how he lost everybody. Yeah. It wasn't like he lost them because of one big thing. It was because over time, all these years he spent on this one case and how much it has just consumed tormented him. His, so, consumed that's his life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I thought was very poetic about it. And that's why I liked it because it was more about, it was a long-term thing. He didn't do it. After one action or day by, it was a day by day, year it by was year. His kind. whole life. It was exactly. He gave more to that case than he did his family. Oh wow! Yeah. That's why I liked it. That's why yeah, I was mostly was moved by an, it. He end. was still as an old man with a badge going around, with literally with <laughs> dementia, and he's still on that case, even when he doesn't remember half the evidence. Yeah. He's still on that case. Yeah, and that ties to the meta theme too, to the to what Nick Pitts is trying to say about like conspiracy theories in, in general right is yeah. that this man wanted the case to be bigger than it really was exactly to the yeah. point that he ruined his life not ruined his life but severely negatively affected his relationships with the people yeah. in his life because yeah. there was something in him that was like i need to keep digging this has to be deeper and the sad thing is he probably got into that case as much as he did because of his own kids but then he poured so much of himself into that case that he forgot about his own kids and why he was there in the first right. place. And yeah. so it's like a big... That's kind of poetic it's, it in is itself. Kind of, yeah. That's a circle of its yeah. own. Um, and A flat circle. Exa- that's exactly. <laughs> and that's why I really like this season. Because I, I had been thinking about it. And I won't lie, when it first ended, I was like, yeah, what the what hell? The hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the more I think about it, even just hearing you guys talk about it, and even though you're a little bit more not negative per se, but like kind of, you know, I'm, I'm still working through it. my yeah. feelings. Yeah. <laughs> even no, when like... you were talking about it and how you were kind of unsettled with it, mm. it made me realize why I liked it. Right. Mm. And that's why I liked it because it was personal and it subverted my expectations. Mm-hmm. And I like, I don't like being right about my theories. Yeah, I, I believe me, I completely I get disappointed whenever I yes. correctly predict when exactly. you're just checking boxes and you're yeah. like, and I got that one right. Exactly. And, that and one. this scene's about to happen. And yeah. exactly. And I can honestly say I predicted pretty much nothing right in the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, a few things here and there. But for the most part, I was subverted at every turn um, and I was emotionally moved by it. Pretty much every relationship like between him and his partner, him and his son. Uh, which I thought was very moving. There's very quiet scenes, but um, you can see like through just their eyes, mm. just the long relationship that they've had with each other. And I, I love it. I love this season so much. Yeah, I love the son. Is he in Scandal or something? He I was, recognize he was him. In Cy- he was Cyborg in Justice League. No way, that's him. Ray what? Fisher. 
Damn. What? That yes. was very, oh my hey, god. Cyborg is still coming out, um, right? Yeah, Cyborg, Cyborg 2020, 2020. Yeah. still happening. Um, it has to. So, uh, no backing out. Now. I did have a couple other takeaways from the finale because overall, I mean, I still love this season. <laughs> like, I don't want to take away. Yeah, from the, that, the last but... episode doesn't ruin no. everything. Yeah. No, and I mean, no it still it left me with questions, but they're not necessarily questions that like upset me. Um, two things. One, uh, as soon as I saw. Um, uh, what's his name? Max, who's now the owner of this lawn company. Uh, yeah. oh, I immediately, oh, yeah. Yeah. I got flashbacks to season one and immediately learned to distrust all groundskeepers because I was like, wait, it's still <laughs> right. connected. It's still connected. This yeah. dude gave her HIV. And again, I think deliberately <laughs> so, he put that in there. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like as everything a in this, yeah. I, that's something about the show is everything is purposeful, even if it's meant to throw you off. Yep. Every single like shot and aspect and but scene isn't in the that show even is more so, satisfying it is yeah. yeah that it's not just purposeful for the set of like ah this i can follow this thread as it's happening here but it's actually is just kind of throwing stuff at you it really puts you in the mind of a detective when you have all these different uh like leads going on and you have to learn to like which voice to listen to um another thing with the sun with cyborg as i now just learned um <laughs> what does it mean at the end whenever he finds the address in his pocket and he's gonna throw it away and he sees the address and say he puts it he keeps it is he let is know. he gonna continue that maybe that or maybe he knows something maybe yeah maybe he is that kind of like a statement like hereditary kind of like he, oh. he's also gonna pour himself into this yeah. as much as his father Put that could, into that, it. that honestly that could be it i mean not that i think they're gonna do a season four with him or anything but i think it's just kind of like a thing like maybe he is his father's son yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also a cop so yep. it's like yeah why hey, did he even become a cop it, right if he saw his his father becoming consumed by his own work why do the same thing once yourself? again you hunter you just said something and i didn't even realize that i thought it until you just said it like the whole thing with the um the note and stuff or the yeah. address i'm like now i just fully realized that that maybe that is what he was trying to say was that he's gonna it's kind of like a spiral like thing it's yeah every a crooked spiral yeah <laughs> it's just it's the son is gonna have pretty much the same problems that his father's having yeah um and it's sad but it's also kind of poetic and that kind of that ties to the the moment where he actually finds uh julie as right. an adult and how he sees that she has a family now. That was and the best scene. He, that was beautiful. Yeah. He basically, I, I cried. <laughs> yeah. He basically realizes that by him bringing up all the shit from his past exactly. that he's been carrying, yes. that he's going to ruin this person's life in doing so. And well, that's great. why, it, yeah. because at first, like, my first reaction whenever I saw it, you could, like, see it because Mahershala Ali is such He's an incredible actor in that like you yeah. can almost just see his like eyes like glaze over for just a second and he like i'm like oh fuck he's having a he's having he... a breakdown he doesn't know where he is right now <laughs> and like i knew that was happening i was like no 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 but then like as the scene went on, i was like he knows good. where he is i was like don't don't do anything like don't ruin yeah, this person like, right just now. with his look you can see that like there's a moment when he of loses realization. it and then comes back in but when he decides not to go through with it i think that's when I don't know if I want to say redeemed because I don't know if he has to be redeemed per se, but I feel like that's when his humanity overcomes his urge for the case because uh, he easily could have had his own satisfaction yeah. and got all the answers in that like, point. Like, I'm here. I finally I, made it Everything here. in his life yeah. that he's been working towards was that one point where he could have confronted her and brought it all up again, but he decides to be human and more yeah. even that apparent um, of sorts. 
and he decides, no, I'm going to let my emotions or um, my heart do the right thing. Maybe here. maybe for the first time and ever. Yeah, really. <laughs> because or at least before the case. Yeah, like, because you yeah. see uh, everything else that you see is him putting the case before anything else. Right, and exactly. now he's putting a human interaction before, yeah. the, especially because, I mean, when you consider like what Julie went through, yeah, she wasn't like well, raped, like we were led to believe, but she was still like given lithium from the age of 10 until oh, how God. long, like she was Jeez. drugged her I mean, entire life. Even she was her, a runaway. Like, yeah. Like she came from a broken family, even before the, um, yeah. you know, everything happened, you know, her family was very broken, uh, very first or uh, low class yeah. stuff. And, that's what I just loved about it. I mean, he, I think because he knew uh, Mahershala Ali's character knew so much about her life and what she went through and what she must have gone through, even when he didn't know where she was. Yeah. That when he got to that point, he said, "Why bring it up again?" He's she's obviously happy where she is. She's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and he learned in that moment maybe that was more satisfying than whatever answer he was going to get. Yep. It was just more satisfying that she was good. He was good, and he could just leave without having to say anything. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we we had this the spoiler time because I'm, I think. I'm I'm much more <laughs> warm on the the finale. But there's one last thing that doesn't make a lot of sense. Lucy Purcell, that's her name, right? The yep. mom. She knowingly sold yeah. her children, her her <laughs> her daughter off to this rich um, lady. <laughs> okay, so what also to that point, that? I mean, she's an alcoholic, right? So yeah, so, so yeah, kinda... she's kind of a drug addict, right. alcoholic. So yeah, sure, whatever. She's a horrible mother. <laughs> but my whole thing too is, um, Harris James, that character. So there was no actual like dr- like sex trafficking or anything going on. So um, he just killed two different people. He killed both of the parents oh, of. <laughs> he killed both Lucy and Scoot McNary. Just. Why? Because, because, because well, he, he was killed on Scoot to because it? Scoot found the room. The but pink why room. did he kill Lucy? Why? Why that, was that? A... Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that. I yeah, don't like, know either. That's yeah, what I mean. She, Al, flew to Vegas. <laughs> she was already gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, did they say that he didn't do anything? Period, or was it just he didn't do anything? To her specifically. Well, actually, we don't know for a fact if he actually killed her. It's it's basically confirmed because of his flight to Vegas. Yeah. No, but I mean, is he is he actually innocent? Like completely? Because I think when Scoot got to the like evil or like the little lair or whatever, um, maybe other stuff went down there. Oh that yeah, he we didn't don't want know. To know about. We don't know. Yeah, because yeah, why mean, would he have it otherwise? There I did... could still be like some more to this whole story with the the um. Not Hayes. Hoy, Hoy Either family. way, he was hiding something, and that's yeah. probably why he killed Scoot. As for the mother, I don't know. Yeah, um, I... I mean, maybe because connected to Scoot. May, I mean, that's a stretch, but I, don't I know. we we have to say we can't we can't just end this discussion without talking about Scoot. He's amazing. He's so good. you guys are big fans when of Scoot he, on the oh, pod, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah, we, <laughs> we started are, this podcast because we are of a Scoot Catch Fire <laughs> pod first and yeah, I still have to watch that. Yeah. So good, but um, he in this show. He has like two moments when he breaks. Yeah, full freak like, out. Like it's in a, episode six whenever he's like in there and he just starts screaming. He's like, no! Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh God. Yeah, full, I, like, oh wait, the, the interrogation room? Yeah, yeah. Dude, that scene fucked me up. Dude, it was he just was so yeah. good. And it just made me like think back on every, I mean, it's what the show does best is make you theorizing as you're just like, oh my God. Like he's so it good. had me going from like, is he really the father? Is this actually his daughter? Is this actually like Hoyt's like, oh, yeah. is this like, did Lucy and Hoyt 
fuck and just yeah. have this one baby that's <laughs> right. not even his daughter and he's kind is, of known did he like molest these children uh, or something like your yeah, mind is, is going that all saw, over yeah. the place it's, like yeah it's it's a lot yeah and i mean i think that there's one point there about how the how Hayes keeps finding ways to like get rope back into the case because right. you have this moment in 1980 where the uh, Native American dude is blown up right uh, or no he shoot he kills him right yeah so there's the explosion the shootout which I thought was one of the standout episodes of the oh, season. Yeah, that, that, that shootout yeah. was so well done and then the episode before that ends right on oh, yeah, the, the door the... being knocked down oh yeah explosion. amazing oh yeah. it's such a good moment but then he he has to shoot this guy and then the case is closed after that. And then it happens again in 90 when Scoot is right. supposedly murdered and his suicide is staged. So that, think about it. If you really are putting yourself in the shoes of a detective, that is going to really get under your skin. Yeah, right. Knowing that the case is not closed. But I mean, it, it just makes That's what bureaucrats and that's what the actual agencies that employ these detectives want. They want a nice, neat bow to tie and stuff. Because even if it's not true, lot of, they just want an ending. I yeah. mean, at least yeah. at least like fifty percent of like murder or kidnapping cases just go like unsolved. They just find somebody to pin it on, so then they yeah, can just exactly. tie it up, move throw on. it in the filing cabinet. Yeah, and then yeah. just move on to the next thing. Yeah. So it it makes sense that there's probably something not exactly like this, but there's something like this that has happened to a detective. That's probably eaten away at him inside. Yeah. I mean, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. One last thing I was going to say is like, we started this discussion comparing it to season one. Mm -hmm. And I thought that uh, Carrie Fukunaga's direction is the true MVP of that. Even though the yeah. Pizzolato like crafted this like very sort of murky swamp trippy well, world. Uh, the biggest takeaway, uh, I mean, aside from McConaughey, who is amazing yeah. in that, this season didn't really have like the strong, consistent direction of a single directorial it vision. Didn't, but you can tell the influence of season one was at least trying to be there. Yeah, like they were at least trying to mimic it, even if it wasn't to perfection. You can see the influence of season one's like directorial style was still very much there. I did think that that um, Jeremy Saulnier, who directed the first two episodes, right, uh, did enough to separate it, yeah. significantly, but particularly with the choices to like have uh Mahershala like see his past and future self in that's like, what I was yeah. saying like that's season one kind of stuff like it's, it's the, very... the trippy weird yeah. aspect that, yeah that's yeah. what I'm saying like I'm not saying it looks exactly like it but it feels it, it, like it. in the same kind of world and tone right. and style kind so of stuff, that yeah. being said what do you guys think could be could a season four be um, should we ha should we have another long well, gap at, at this long point wait? I mean I'm I'm fine with at least waiting like <sighs> like 2021 okay I I would rather them not rush out I mean, and... another crappy season I just have to, just a quick question who would you guys cast for the next two detectives Ooh, to come on that's a tough question i know i know it's um uh, i don't know i'm trying to think of like i feel like they'll try and get like another i mean because whenever they cast mahershala he had just won his first oscar for right. moonlight mm -hmm. so it's gotta be kind of a young up-and-comer i'd love um, to see a woman like a like a kate blanchett yeah, well, well i mean didn't they try with rachel mcadams to make her like yeah. a key piece yeah, in but, season two but there's so much of an ensemble that she kind of got lost in it yeah. i'd mm -hmm. like to see maybe a character driven study as much as it is on mcconaughey or Marshall ali and just for a woman like entirely maybe focused on her because did you guys see Destroyer, that movie with Nicole Kidman? No, I never saw it. I that. can only imagine it's going to be something like that. Like, it's oh, just about definitely. this woman 
who this case and her family life is just eating away at her. My dream you know, scenario is uh, Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal as two actual siblings oh, solving a solving a crime you know together. Even if it's not Maggie, I just thought of Jake and True Detective. That would yeah, be bearded oh, Jake. I mean, again, that's already kind of prisoners, but. Yeah, but still, it would still be amazing. No, give him a beard. Prisoners, yes. <laughs> he's kind of like, uh, there's moments when he's just kind of like going with everything and Hugh Jackman kind of steals the scenes with his right, 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 like right. gravitas that he brings to the performance. Yo, so I want to see him as like kind of a different a different type of detective. Paul Dano. Paul Yo. Dano. <laughs> he's in Prisoners. Yeah, yeah he exactly. is also yeah. in Prisoners. Yeah, he could do anything. Yeah, I'm put, him, put him in anything. <laughs> Uh, all right. I want to see Paul Dano and like the Scoot McNary character just like losing his mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that wraps up our thoughts on True Detective Three. So we are going to take a break, and when we get back, we're talking Captain Marvel. 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 We'll be right back. Fuck my friends, they're gone. gone. They all left one by one. And now the summer's done, done. They don't need no more fun. Yeah, drive around on my own. I'm rich by my AC book. Don't check no mail, no phone. And I tell them I'm not on. And I keep to myself. Fuck with no one else. And I know it's my fault, but I don't care. And I keep to myself. Who are you to pretend? sent us a message oh yeah yeah what do you say he doesn't know who he is he doesn't know what planet he's from (laughs) but he has flashes of memories from another life is it uh, he was a podcast host is it a life where a sliced alone poops on him whoa or he poops on he poops on sliced alone I don't know if you heard our hot take. I did. How he goes to our breaking news. Hotels or whatever. Yeah. Apparently, apparently there's a big like underground poop ring. Poop gate, right? It's. It it doesn't stop it. It doesn't stop it. Slides alone. It goes all the way to the top. Oh, it's like a true detective circle. This is. Yeah. Tom Hanks runs this ring. Oh no! (laughs) And he gets children involved. Yeah. It's more of a. It's more of a bowl. It's not a ring. It's more yeah. of like a bowl. <laughs> or like, I guess you could call the seat of the toilet yeah, a ring. Yeah, that's kind of, it's it's an oval. It's kind of a ring. Yeah, yeah it's, sure. It's a seat. It's a seat ring. Yeah. It's All right. metaphorical. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're back. Uh, we're not going to spend another 25 minutes on Stallone pooping this week. Yeah, as much as the that, listeners want to. We're going to spend an hour on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as much as you listeners want. You know, Drew is probably running for his life right now. He's probably being chased by Stallone's people as he uncovers well, the truth. He received a death threat and was like, yeah, I need to take a couple weeks. You know, yeah. he's just a rebel because first Max Keeble and now... <laughs> Slice the load. Yeah. Yeah, it's not he's easy. He's making being... enemies for us left and right. We need a new podcast host. <laughs> we we well, he's this. doing the work. He's doing the dirty, <laughs> dirty work. He's the dirty uh, brown work. All the president's men too. Exactly. Yeah. He's the on the run. Men. He's on the run with like boxes of documents. Just like, it's like from hey, going from motel to motel. <laughs> I just want to see Steven Spielberg direct like a movie about this. Yes. <laughs> yes. For Netflix, <laughs> a Netflix original. The sequel to the post, the mic. <laughs> Me poo. Before the pod, we were talking about a 
cinematic universe about the post, all the president's men. Um, and now I think this uh, Drew movie could tie into it, actually. Yeah. Let's have Sam Jackson make a cameo to connecting yeah. the universe. It could be a 90s Ooh, prequel okay. to the... I'm into it. Where this all started. Yeah. Well, yeah. technically, All the President's Men is the 70s yeah. prequel. Yeah. But we can go way back. Well, okay. no, Drew's Captain Marvel, so it goes back and forth. Yes. 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 <laughs> all right. Let's 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 break this movie down. I, I really want to get into spoilers because there's just so much to kind of Yeah, you can't into. really talk about the plot at all. And I think really that can, no. based on the, the box office of this film... Um, most people are seeing it. It's a, it's a Marvel movie. Yes, they it, these movies are never financial duds at all. So yeah, it I made think 153 we, domestic. It's already at 455 worldwide. I think we can safely weekend. assume that like most of you listeners will at least have seen this movie within the next week or so. But if not, we'll give some spoiler free thoughts if you have yet to catch it if you're gonna wait for some reason or you know are too busy can't get around to it uh we understand you know people are busy so let's uh let's hear some some spoiler free thoughts adam um well i've been a big captain marvel fan for pretty much the past ah uh, let's see I, I started reading in 2012 um captain marvel and that's when she kind of came back into the zeitgeist of marvel and in 2014 she was kind of rebooted um and that's kind of where they're taking inspiration from with this incarnation of Carol Danvers. Do you keep up with the with a lot of Marvel books? I do. Uh, there's a 2019 or 2018 run that's going on right now about Captain Marvel that I haven't got into yet. Okay. But otherwise, I've read the 2012, 2014, every and issue. 2016. Yeah, every issue. Holy shit! Of Captain Marvel. That's awesome. Because I'm a I'm serious. Other than Captain America and Spider Man, she's my favorite Marvel character. And I that's why I just wanted to lay that out first because. I do want to admit I have a bias. Yeah. Maybe I enjoy this movie a little bit more than others because I love the character so much. And I loved what Brie Larson did for her. And even though they didn't fully dive into everything about her character, I still loved the way they brought her to life. Well, I think that's one thing that Marvel Studios does really well yeah. is that they're able to bring these characters to life to appeal to, to mass audiences that don't read comic books. Right. But when you when you are a big comic book fan that knows their shit and yes. you watch it, it there's plenty there to just like really, yes. really yeah. eat up and love. Well, that's what I loved about this. It's kind of, it takes, it's not really based on any specific Captain Marvel comic. It's um, kind of a mixture of the 2014 and 2016 reboot runs. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it takes play. It takes kind of the humor of her from the 2014 run, but also um, just the intergalactic kind of elements of it. And it just makes it, but then the movie's also kind of its own thing, which I really appreciated. It's very much, it's a little bit different than the other Marvel movies. It's very character focused, very much all about her entire life and how stuff unravels. And I really like that. Cool. Hunter? Um, I really wanted to like, I wanted to love this movie as much as I love Black Panther and I think that this movie is it's solid. Like I I mean I, this isn't a bad movie, but I think that where this movie really excels is whenever it's like a buddy cop film between uh Carol Danvers and Sam and uh, yeah. Nick Fury just like driving in the car together like the second act of this movie was my favorite part and a lot of people will say that's the slowest part of the movie, but Oh really? Wow. I just because I mean a lot of people like general audiences that go to this thing go to go see aliens punching each other shooting lasers right. at and each you other. do get and that but my brain just kind of turns off in these scenes at certain points like I've just seen so many of these that yeah. what sticks out to me the reason why like a movie like Black Panther or um, 
Thor Ragnarok, where those movies, like, why they stick out in my mind is because it's all about characters. And it's not just the humor, but you get a real sense of who these people are. And while this movie does have some of that, I almost wish that they didn't throw in this being an origin story for S.H.I.E.L.D. along with it being an origin story for Carol Danvers. I would have rather just had more time with just her because Brie Larson is amazing. She's such a great, great actor. And I just wanted more character moments from her versus um, aliens shooting lasers at each other and it being about different uh, galactic space wars that are supposed to make commentaries for other things in life today. I understand that some of these things probably come across a lot better in the comics because they're more fleshed out um, about the Kree versus the Skrull battle that they're having together with one another, but... It just kind of seemed like this movie was a little bit too dense and it had too many ideas packed in it for everything to kind of be fully fleshed out. Yeah, it's it's trying to do so much. Yeah. It's introducing a new character. Right. It's setting up that character to be a formidable force against Thanos. Well, I mean, that post credit scene, I mean, it pretty much tells you this is their biggest weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot. She kind of seems like almost like Superman-esque where I don't really know if she has any weaknesses. She needs like a kryptonite. Does she have a kryptonite? Like not. Well, again, she she has like all powerful. She has a different origin in this movie, which is interesting. So they aren't exactly following the comics exactly. Because, I mean, I don't want to spoil how it all happens in this movie, but it's different than it is in the comics, so I really don't know what they're going to do Yeah. in uh, Endgame. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with her, or if she's going to have any kind of weakness against Thanos. As it stands, he's he's fucked. I, like, yeah. I definitely want to <laughs> devote part of the, the conversation to kind of, like, theorizing where the Marvel Universe stands right now and, right. like, where we can go from here. Um, but as far as my thoughts go, I... I don't know why, but I was, like, really, really hopeful that this was going to be, like, a home run for Marvel. Maybe it's because of, like, the societal implications of this being the first big, like, female-led movie in the MCU. Um, And probably because Brie Larson is, like, has been one of my favorite actors the past, like, half decade or so i actually just rewatched short term 12 last night yeah and uh her best performance in my opinion like she's amazing in that movie i actually think room is but she's amazing she's she's so good and that uh, short term 12 is more of like an ensemble um that gives all the players a chance to shine so i was going into this movie with like I don't know. Something about me like kind of was hoping that it would really, really be great. And I got to say, I was really disappointed. I was, I was really let down by this movie, but there's still a lot in it that I like. There's still a lot of like elements that I really enjoyed. And it's not a bad movie. Like I, I don't think Marvel makes bad movies. Like they're all at least solid. Even like the incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2 can be enjoyed. It's at least better than Justice League. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, the, the <laughs> bottom of the MCU is they're not... I don't think they're terrible. And yeah. I, I'm still trying to figure out, like, where I would rank this. I would probably put it, like, somewhere in, like, the upper bottom... Uh, like like middle <laughs> middle lower middle like yeah um, that's that's about where i'm kind of me, at. I'm, I'm right in the middle like yeah. anything a little bit lower like i'd rather watch doctor strange than this yeah it's like which it's like, is weird to say but like this and doctor strange are kind of about the same level for me i i did yeah. a ranking the other day and i i'm trying to see i put it at number 14 
Um, so it's kind of I I kind of agree, but I'll, then again, I love pretty much every Marvel movie. Right. So yeah. even my top fifteen, like number fifteen and fourteen, I love those movies. Yeah. So um, so you know, I I think uh, I think most of this movie it, it's composed of solid building blocks. I think there are some like pretty glaring issues uh, that I didn't think would it would be issues like for some reason i really think that brie larson's performance is like doesn't work a lot of the time and it's that really caught me by surprise because she is so damn talented she's so good but a lot of what she's asked to do here is very like cardboard cutout ish like she just looks like a perfect model like her hair is perfect yeah. she looks perfect and there's not only there's a there are a couple of scenes where she does get to like really really act and dig into a true well, character i liked the scenes in um the op- kind of when she first gets on earth and she's kind of doing the, the flashback same- oh wait the no, blockbuster yeah yeah yeah. like yeah. and she you know like knocks on the security guards window. fish out of water yeah, stuff yeah. um and like she kind of goes back to the first thor movie Mm-hmm. Or even Captain America in the first Avengers movie, where she's kind of like, learn- she's like, you know, kind of oblivious to everything else. And she is very, like, straight faced in, in those moments, but that's part of the comedy, is because she is essentially a, um, I'm trying not to spoil it, but she's essentially from Earth, but she doesn't know how she is. She right. only barely knows. And it. that point, that's something that I have a lot of issues with that I want to get into spoilers. So. Um, do we have any other thoughts before we dive in? Um, no, not too much. I will say I'm glad that the fish out of water kind of stuff didn't last for the entire movie. Because when that first happens, I was like, oh God, here we go with the first Thor movie again. Which, the first Thor movie is, for, like, the first two Thor movies are, like, my two least favorite of any MCU movies. Wow, okay. Especially, I just, there's something about the first Thor movie that, like, I can't stand that movie. It's all like it. Dutch yeah. angles, and it's all fish-out-of-water humor, and it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It does, it does set up Chris Hemsworth as, like, Thor, though. He like that and, best, though, in the Avengers yeah, movies. Yeah, but, I mean, even that, like, that's kind of, there's one thing that, I mean, I can kind of get to, because it's, uh, we alluded to it already, but... The thing that origin stories, I feel like, should do is it should establish this person, they're a strong person, but they have this one fatal weakness that can take them down. In this movie, we don't really see what her weakness is. Yeah, we get... That's, lo- we that's get... kind of... Their whole... Her quote-unquote weakness is her memory. Like, well, we that's get not... Jude Law telling her at the very beginning that her emotions are her weakness. Okay, which... Okay, I will point that out. Um... Well, no, let's let's get to the spoiler say, tag right, first. Right. No, let's get to the spoiler tag because uh, I wanted to say there was something about it. All that. right, so spoilers for Captain Marvel. Uh, probably people are going to see it, but if for some reason you don't want to hear a detailed plot discussion, then come back once you've seen it. So let's get to spoilers right now. Okay, so um, I think that the first act of this movie is bad. Um, I was kind of, I was so turned up off until the beginning what of point? it. Um, up until she gets to Earth. Okay. Because... We have, like, aliens shooting lasers at each other, and I was like, I don't really care about this. But um, one thing that just really, really rubbed me the wrong way was Jude Law being like, you're a woman, and you need to learn to control your emotions because emotions are weakness. And I was kind of like, 
hey, fuck this movie. Like, what is this trying to say about, like, how women can't... And he says it, like, two or three different yeah. times throughout the movie. Also... And it totally rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm glad it paid off in a good way. At the end, When yeah. she was like, I don't have to prove anything to you. That was that was a powerful moment because it's not her just being like, I won't let my emotions get the best of me and I'm going to show it to you. She shouldn't have to prove anything to anybody. I, I did think that the very beginning is very poorly done. Like the, the first like five minutes of the movie, I was like, there's what? a like, lot the, the, of a lot of title cards on right. where well, we are in different space places. Yeah, I did I did think it was cool that it they were at a point now in the twenty first Marvel movie that we can start immediately in an alien yeah. world without setting it up. That was kind of cool. Well, I liked it because I it kind of reminded me, and I I know not many people like this movie, but I love Man of Steel, and I love the opening. There's of Man some of great Steel stuff in when that you're movie. you're put on his home planet, and um, you uh you are just thrown into it. And yeah. that's what it kind of remind, reminded me of is that you're uh, immediately thrown in to uh, her place on this Kree planet and you're kind of immediately, like you said, Hunter, uh, like when Jude Law is like kind of on the train, like telling her about her emotions and everything or yeah. even the fight sequence, you learn about what they as a culture kind of believe that um, you should uh, be this kind of um, just blank slate. You shouldn't have any emotions. Yeah, but um, as a as a character in a movie that doesn't work like that. I, I can see how that concept is cool for some sort of uh, alien race, but it, it, I just couldn't really click with Brie Larson playing her character that way throughout this movie. And and also the, the point of it starting in this alien world in concept is cool, but in execution, I don't think it's done well. I think right. it, it's something like Man of Steel, I think does it a lot better. I think that the the intro that whole krypton battle sequence is really really well done yeah. um and the the beginning of this movie of, of captain marvel i i just felt uh i just felt like it was clunky very clunky and then we get to this fight uh on this world with the scrolls where we're introduced to like the shape shifting i thought that was cool but it kind it was of cool, but it was, you knew where it was going. And also, it looks it looked like really dark. Like I couldn't really yeah. tell what was going on. I see, couldn't I follow was, the action well. I suddenly I usually do like either Dolby or IMAX when I go see these movies. But my friends wanted to come with me last minute, so I had to go do regular two D. That's what I saw it uh, in, and I had to sit all the way at the top, and I couldn't tell if that was a movie issue or a projection issue. But I could barely. Well, tell I saw what it was in, happening. in IMAX. It looked more clear, okay. but it was still very dark. That's what been my yeah. least favorite in the movies when they get to the uh, scroll planet and yeah. they start yeah. invading. That's but what I mean. That just the, the whole beginning kind of turned me off. And uh, since kind of... Oh, sorry. You can make your point Well, first. it leads into my one of my favorite parts of the movie, which is when she gets captured and they yes. go... Oh, so that's really cool. Yes. And they that, start that digging through her memory. That was where the movie took a turn. I, I mean. yes. That whole bit where we start to go back to her days on Earth and, yes. and we hear like Ben Mendelsohn's character like... Scroll, scrubbing through her memory like trying to find yeah. who uh, Annette Benning's character was. really coolly like how they like keep replaying a scene and then coming it's from really different well sides done. and everything like, really like, rewind cool. that rewind yeah. that yeah like I loved it and how he can kind of like take the um form of someone in her memories to get it's kind of like Inception almost yeah how they, he can pretend to be a person in someone's memories to get information that they need in the and, subconscious and just the way that like we 
start to get introduced to her backstory in that way. Yeah. I hadn't I haven't really seen that done like that before. That's why I loved it. And I, I thought found it was really it, cool. I found it yeah. very effective. And that short sequence, it doesn't last very long. It was one of my favorite parts of the movie. And I thought that we were gonna get more of that weirdness it throughout the movie and we never really do because right after we're on Earth uh and we get introduced to Nick Fury and Colson. Uh and the movie really starts to pick up from here. You know, despite a clunky yeah. beginning, I think that once we're with Fury, which by the way, the the facial oh uh de aging oh, is Incredible. perfect. Yeah. It's man. perfect. Beautiful. Uh with Colson too, it's pretty good. It's not as good, but oh, you still but, buy it. But I mean even in other movies, like the the first Ant Man movie um, when they do uh, Michael Douglas mm-hmm. um, or Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, um, you it's good, but you can kind of spot little points. Yeah, you yeah. can spot like almost like a fuzziness yeah. to it. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you guys catch any no. like frame of this movie where Nick Fury looked? No, no, it, a, it, it was looked beautiful. I mean, even just the way that like light shines off of his de-aged face That's and everything like, looked gorgeous. What I, about like, the hair? Is the hair CG? No, no, because I saw the set photos and okay. he did that himself. Okay, okay. Um, see, because when I saw Blade Runner twenty forty nine, when um I forgot the actress's name, but the love interest from the first Blade Runner yeah. movie, mm-hmm. when they de-aged her, um and they brought her back, I was like, okay, that's pretty much as good as it's ever gonna get. Yeah, I was wrong. This is as good as it gets. Well, yeah, because that was one scene. This yeah, is like the, the entire, bulk of the movie. Yeah, and it's perfected yeah. the entire time. The only time that you can tell is when he's running. And you're like, oh, that's the run of an the old man. The only time yeah. I really got it was when he was in that fight scene with Ben Mendelsohn in like the um, filing place or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when he was like throwing him against the walls and stuff, and like um, you know, having to punch or something. I'm like, yeah, he's like 70 or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. But um, other, but like the face itself, the actual CGI, perfect. Like I can't even nitpick it at all. Like yeah. it was perfect. It was done. really well done. It almost makes you wonder: Are they just gonna put Stan Lee in every uh, <sighs> Marvel movie well, at this point? His cameo here, I thought, Man. was gonna gonna be cgi i was so, about to flip out no but they, you see it's I, like the mall rat they, they had it there but no i mean how this movie opens i just wanted to oh, quickly go yeah, back folks. how we have the marvel intro and it's just different <sighs> stanley things man that had me tearing up in the theater i was like oh boy this so movie's gonna be I, rough i saw it thursday night 7 p.m you know sold out marvel mm. crowd you know yeah uh, biggest theater at altamont and when that intro happened and it said like thank you stan when yeah. it kept it black Everyone in the theater applauded, like yeah. every single person. Yeah, and I got chills and cried, yeah. like straight up. I was like, I, I got emotional too. It was, it was like because you I... see one face and then another one, and it's like every single face. See, is yeah, him. I don't know if I would have cried if it was just the intro, but the fact that every single person in my audience recognized it, applauded yeah. as soon as it was over. I cried right then. Yeah. I'm like, God damn it! Uh, it was beautiful. I wonder if it. they'll do that for Endgame too. Yeah, I think uh, it's a one-off, but I wouldn't be upset. Well, Stanley created Captain Marvel, right? I like back in the because well, Captain and... Marvel has been has gone through like different iterations of like he might have made right. like kind of the modern Miss idea. wasn't because, it Miss Marvel well originally Marvel, yeah originally yeah. like Captain Marvel was a dude and then well it was Shaz- uh, um it was a DC character yeah yeah um yeah it says Stanley created um it was so, Stanley Roy Thomas and Gene Colan so okay. the character that is Shazam now used to be called Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Right. And then Captain Marvel used to be called Miss Marvel. Right. And now um there's a uh Miss Marvel um in the universe as long as as well as Captain Marvel. Miss Marvel's um a uh I think she's a Muslim woman. Uh, oh, her name's cool. uh Kamala Khan. Nice. And she's a great character. She's pretty much in the comics 
what um, the MCU has as Peter Parker right now. She's like a glorified fangirl uh, who okay. just happens to get powers. Okay. okay. So it's I hope they bring her in the sequel because she's very much tied into Captain Marvel. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so the, the other point that I was going to lead into is the sort of chase sequence that we get uh, with the shapeshifter. So good. The scroll shapeshifter. Mm, yes. This is where, like, they really introduce what they can do with the scroll shapeshifting yeah, thing. I love this scene. Yeah. It, I think it's one of the best parts of the movie because it's it looks great. Well, I don't know if it looks great because it still has, like, this sort of bland look to it. There's no, like, colors that pop. But as far as, like, the choreography of the action, oh, it was great. it's yeah. really well done. Even aside from the train sequence, I liked the part where you realize that the Coulson in the car is not the actual Coulson. Yes. yes. That was yeah, a yeah, that great was really moment. Cool. That was like, a great... Because uh, what do you say? He's like, I'm at the blockbuster. Yeah. Uh, like, I didn't yeah, find I'm any so evidence. Yeah. yeah. And then he like, looks go? over. <laughs> like, so who's in the car with me? And then they like start fighting in that the car. It's amazing. Yeah. In that, in that uh, train sequence, wherever there's a moment when they're running on top of the train, and I noticed it was like a small movie detail that you like would, if you put yourself in the perspective of the character, you could tell like one of the guys like went over to like grab a pole, like to like, probably do some shit like try and like kick uh um carol or something like that but he grabs it and he gets electrocuted because it's like an electric <laughs> yeah. pole thing oh, which yeah, is yeah. like something an alien species wouldn't know yeah. that yeah. i thought that was a cool <laughs> little movie detail yeah um one thing i will say because i thought that the shape-shifting stuff was really cool the actual look of the scrolls themselves i was not big on it the kind makeup? of looked like yeah I thought it was fantastic i it kind of looked like something from the first the jj abrams star trek oh, movie to me i really i, liked I thought, loved it i thought it was, I thought well it was impeccably i yeah. thought that it yeah. looked between a mix between something from a jj abrams um star trek movie and shape of water i agree was what the look was i agree but i loved it because of that yeah, yeah. I, I just I like the yeah, but those are good. Yeah. Those but, are good movies with good makeup. Yes, but I want Ben Mendelsohn not playing a person like under layers of makeup and CGI and pointy okay, I, ears. I guess now we'll talk about Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, who, well, I, because be, Ben Mendelsohn is amazing, he, and thank God he is not another big bad. Because I'm steals, tired. Of, he steals this movie. I'm tired of being against Ben Mendelsohn. We've had to yeah, do it with Ready yeah. Player One. <laughs> we had to do it with um some other movie that came out recently. Like, uh, he's Rogue like, One. With Rogue One, yeah, he's like the big bad, mm-hmm. and I just. Wanted I, every time I see him, he's just so like charming with well, his conniving. He's great at playing a bad guy, yeah. and that's so it's good. perfect casting because yeah. there's a switch here. There's a reversal where the squirrels are actually the good guys. When he and comes the up, sipping, the bad guys. when he comes up sipping that milkshake, I'm like, oh no, I'm cheering for this guy. I don't yeah. care if he's evil. <laughs> I have that picture saved in my phone, and I have posted it on pretty much every social media platform. It is my new favorite picture of all time. Yeah, I, I think, I think. Ben Mendelsohn in this movie is maybe the best thing to happen to cinema in like the past 30 years. He is um, amazing. I loved his character. And the thing I loved about the character, and it's maybe just what I loved what they did with the scrolls in general in this movie, is that, at least in my knowledge, the scrolls have never been good. They are the blank slate bad guys with no nuance to them. And I think they're cool. They're cool, like in that sense, like they can just be these shapeshifting aliens. It's, they're like a Deus Ex Machina kind of. Yeah, and yeah. they can. They're just great punching bags for the heroes. But this movie human, like humanizes them in a way that the comics have never done. At least in the ones that I've read. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying it's. Never I didn't know if that before. was a plot thread from the actual comic. Again, that... to my knowledge, and feel free anyone that's listening to correct me. But at least from what I've read. I've never read the scrolls ever had like any nuance to them really, or ever have they had a shade of good in them. Which is why I was so shocked when they did this because yeah. I really thought it was just going to be a you know I thought they would both I kind of saw the you know the Cree stuff happening I, I saw that choice coming from a mile away 
but I didn't think that would mean the scrolls would be good, mm-hmm. uh, which I really appreciated. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah, them just becoming like almost like refugees, just trying that. to find yeah. a home or something. It was heartbreaking, like that. actually. Yeah, I thought it like, was good. Like that's what I mean about there's just so many ideas packed in here that it it almost felt like these were like two movies that were crammed in this two hour long runtime. And that's why I just, I wanted more time to breathe. That's why I almost enjoyed the scenes of just Sam and Bree just driving in the car together. Cause it was like, all right, now we're just here with just two characters. Just like, this is the like downtime of the movie. And yeah. those were my favorite scenes because also, it wasn't shield set up and Captain Marvel set up and this whole intergalactic, uh, yeah war that's happening i mean honestly the the kree versus scroll stuff is like the most like weirdo comic book stuff in here Mm -hmm. and it it doesn't ruin the movie but it it feels like very just kind of secondary to everything else yeah it feels like almost like a different thing yeah the rest of the movie is more kind of humanizing even with shield and captain marvel those are like still kind of like human stories that you have going on here about her trying to like uh, remember everything about her old past and kind of the uh, starting of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, they're all very, like, grounded stories. And in the background, there's, like, this whole other crazy yeah. conflict. Yeah. And happening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead a little bit here uh, so I don't forget this later. But the moment at the end where we get uh, Lee Pace returning as Ronan the Accuser oh, in those man. spaceships. Kind of pointless, really. It was one of the worst parts of the movie because it, it almost felt like, hey, we need captain marvel to punch a bunch of stuff and there's nothing really in the story that will allow her to just really like go crazy with her powers so let's just let's just put a bunch of missiles in here for no reason is ronan dead yeah, in Guardians. Did, he died yeah, in he Guardians. He dies in Guardians. Okay, I couldn't remember. Because he tried to he... hold the Infinity Stone, then he disintegrated. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. I just, oh man, Lee Pace. Why He's so good? Lee Pace and Carrie Coon have just been wasted in this. Yeah. Show. That's why I got excited when they casted him in this. Because I'm like, oh hell yeah, they're gonna like. They heard the complaints. They're gonna bring him back. And he does we- nothing. He does less in this movie, <laughs> which, which I didn't think was possible. I mean, it, like, that is kind of a big, uh, <laughs> like, I don't want to call it an Easter egg, but like, whenever he's like, um, whenever uh, Jude Law is like talking at first, and you see Ronan, if you recognize that, then like, you're like, a oh, this quarter is a bad of the guy. way in the movie, you're like, oh, okay, Kree are bad now. Yeah, okay, further than that, I think is like it didn't happen until way after she got on Earth, right? Like, yeah, when Jude yeah, Law's yeah, in the spaceship mm-hmm. and stuff, and it's like. Because I actually it's forgot like, he was in the it's movie. It's while he's like on the journey over to get yeah. to Yeah, and I was like watching him. Like, oh, yeah, Ronan's in this movie. I forgot. Also, Jimin Hon- Honsu is in this movie. Yeah. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, he has like, like three scenes. Yeah. And like two of them are comedic. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it, it, I thought the Guardians tie-ins to this movie were kind of, I didn't dislike them, but they were just kind of pointless. They were half-baked. I didn't, I didn't yeah. feel anything either way, really. Yeah, and, and I mean, there are ways to compare this movie to Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I think that Soundtrack, the two the two Guardians movies are some of the best stuff that Marvel has done, especially two. In my two, opinion. yeah, two is is one of the best movies that mm. that have come out of this. Um, but this this movie it doesn't tr- it doesn't really try to like emulate the tone of those movies, like how um, Ragnarok did, except for like these strange moments. Uh, with like the '90s music cues, particularly the No Doubt cue, yeah, that, I, that doesn't work odd. at all. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mind. The, uh, they were obvious. I'll give that to you. I I could see why you had an issue with it. I didn't mind it per se, but the one that really worked for me was when uh, Just a Girl starts playing at the end. Yeah, that's the No Doubt. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. my bad. Yeah. yeah, but I I that I I love that personally. Like I, I like when she's like wrecking shop. Like I just it was obvious, and I admit that. 
like fully. I, it was I really so do. on the nose. So it you was, know what? Uh, but it worked for me. You know what that <laughs> uh, that immediately gave me flashbacks to because we just talked about it a couple weeks ago was uh, in the first Shrek movie when Bad Reputation starts playing and Shrek During starts the... making. That was like as soon as it started, I was like. Shrek? Like, is this yeah. Daddy Shrek going <laughs> to pop also, up in here? Like, what's the, happening right the, now? The scene is not well shot. It's not well shot. It's another very a, dark... Well, I didn't have a good like sense it. of... Like, whenever they they first get on the ship, it was like, okay, like, I can feel the scene. I can feel the setting of where this is. But, like, I couldn't really, like... It was kind of the the cinematography in the scene that i couldn't really tell where we were it was Very like there's murky. a bridge and then there's this area okay. over here yeah. and oh, like the, the floor seemed like it yeah. was like like 10 times the size of the establishing well, shot really... that we get beforehand yeah. so i was just very confused yeah, by well, like, what each character kind of was yeah exactly yeah, like i could have used that's a time whenever i wish that we had somebody like a coogler somebody who like could have done like a nice wonder like well, to kind I... of go through this whole like room while this action scene's happening i know it's asking a lot from a no, no, no. i mean these, have great and these directors are Good directors. They made a uh, half Nelson. Yeah, uh, but those is... are very small. Characters. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're good directors, but maybe not in a sense. I don't mind them making a Marvel movie, but as one as important as this, maybe it would have been a good idea. Even though I love this movie, yeah. maybe you could have got someone like a Kugler. Yeah, had gun. somebody who with a little bit like... more of an action background. Well, sometimes what happens with these movies is they get the directors to shoot the dialogue scenes. And then oh. Marvel's like, we'll take care of the rest. We have a team that will come in and like do well, the big CGI the heavy stuff. In this movie, where I really felt like, um, I forgot the director's names, and I apologize. But they, um, yeah, the Anna Fleck and Ryan Bowden, or maybe I got that mixed yeah, up. Uh, Anna I think Bowden, it's Ryan, Anna Bowden, Ryan, Ryan Fleck. My dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the scene or scenes in this movie where I really felt like their directorial uh, styles shined through was at the farm in the third yes, act. Yes, totally agree. Especially when she um, learns about her past mm-hmm. and then they go outside and like that, the like the skies very well. Like the cinematography in that scene is actually very good. And they're like on the, that's one of the best scenes in the yeah. movie. Yeah, And yep. they start crying and then everything with the scrolls in the farm, it kind of reminded me of Ultron when they're at the farm yes. and it's just like this <laughs> kind of 20 minute period where you just learn about some the downtime. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that's where I really felt like it was not a Marvel, movie it's their movie at right. that point yeah. yeah i thought that all of that worked great and yeah. that's when i really bought brie larson as this character Me because too. Yeah. up until that point because of the way they they're telling the story of her not knowing who she is and having this amnesia exactly i there's nothing to like relate to her or like really care about her because she doesn't really know who she is so she right. can't like project that and in, in that moment where she truly, like, understands everything, then she, like, knocks the performance See, out of the park. that's why I cried. And again, I cry a lot. But I cried during that scene, the Just a Girl scene, because that, to me, was when I saw one of my favorite characters of all time come to life. I was like, that's when Free Larson became Carol Danvers. She is the smart-ass like she, uh, you know, makes quips, but she can kick so much ass. Mm-hmm. And like when she does that at the end, and after everything she goes through in the movie, I think by that point it got me emotional because I saw her finally become Carol Danvers. And and I think Brie, you know, I part of me is like doubtful that that uh, that I I think she's good in this movie, but. Uh, Marvel Studios is is very good with their casting, and they there's are, yeah. always like. A lot of thought put into who they're it's not half-assed See, and I, and even though like part of me felt like a lot of what she was doing didn't work 
she can she the the major strokes of being badass and powerful right. she can do very very well mm-hmm. and then the the smaller kind of snarky quippy stuff she can also do very well yeah so those necessary building blocks are there but for some reason overall i didn't feel like i really connected with her on a deeper level um i do have two uh like it, these are both kind of very small things, but just things that I noticed, and then things that were kind of pointed out by other people on Twitter and stuff. One, um, Brie Larson needs to work on her run. She does not have a superhero <laughs> run at all. She's, She's a, obviously like not Cruise. a big athlete. Yeah, like wherever <laughs> she runs, it's kind of like a, a jog more so than like a superhero run with the hey, arms maybe, and everything maybe else. Maybe the Cree planet has weird gravity that she's not yeah, used to. Yeah, maybe she's not <laughs> used to this dense of gravity. Um, another thing, uh, this is very small, but uh, I heard uh, Amanda Dobbins, shout out to her, uh, bring this up for the Big Picture podcast. Um that I didn't really, I, I kind of noticed it, and I was like, "Huh, that's weird." But I'm surprised that other people pay attention to it. So, the person who jogs uh, Carol Danvers' memory of all of her time on Earth is this child. Now, Carol Danvers went disappearing what six years before the events of this. So this girl was like five, but she perfectly remembers all Auntie of their Carol. stories. <laughs> Auntie Carol, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, okay. Like she goes through and she's like, "This is whenever we dress like this for Halloween. This is whenever we did this." <laughs> no five year old has that kind of a fucking memory. Let well, me tell you right now. I'll, that... I'll give it a little bit of slack because maybe at that age she does. She remembers back to then, but. I, that's Maybe it's more threat. from the stories that her mom told her. Would yeah, you just yeah, say yeah. that. Yeah, I get uh, that. It's not that she actually remembers. I, I, I do think, <laughs> I do think so. your complaint's valid. It is. I'm just trying it's, to make it's a nitpick. It. Yeah. It's not really a complaint. It's more so just a thing that I noticed. I mean, but in those she was scenes. like 11 or something in the movie right yeah, yeah, yeah she was like 11 so she was probably like five so yeah maybe two or three years of halloween that she had with auntie carol yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure why not um yeah i i bought that yeah no i so mean this is all very this small little girl things, but... i thought was great i yeah I thought no she, she was, was awesome good, yeah. i thought she was really good and there's this really effective like female empowerment moment that happens when they change oh, the color God, of dude. her suit i loved it yeah uh, that was really I actually cool. i saw this movie with my girlfriend and she thought that that was one of the corniest moments in the movie what? but and i could i i could agree with it's that corny, but, but I did love it, it works because it's it's a little girl and like think about what you it's like for scene. little girls yeah. to watch this movie and see like the first big marvel female marvel superhero right. like that's it's a pandering move but i didn't but find it yeah not just that it's necessary but i just found it like really touching and simple was, in a movie yeah. that is like doing all of this crazy sci-fi alien shit to just like like, have that moment we need more scenes like that where like kids are in these superhero movies because that's one thing i really liked about iron man 3 was how the kid was kind of in that movie people hate on that i love that on that boy i I love the boy i love that movie i will get iron man 3 till i die yeah and i i want more scenes like that yeah Yeah. exactly because there there are kids that age seeing these movies movies. yes and say hey I could help out my favorite superhero if I wanted to, given the yeah. opportunity. Like, I love stuff like that. I think maybe what – I, I got to ask Leap, but maybe what she found corny is the fact that it was, like, the American flag. That it was, like, the red, I did white, actually, and blue. I did kind of. Like, when she goes – Yeah, like, we're on the same team. Team now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with that, actually. That yeah. was kind of corny. Um, One thing – because I did love how they made this. There was no love story per se it. Yeah. in this. It said it became a story about friendship, but – while watching the movie, and you'll be able to answer this better because you know the comics more, 
Um, it felt almost like uh, Brie Larson, like Carol Danvers and her friend uh, Maria, Maria uh, Lashania Lynch. They had like this like kind of chemistry, and this was just kind of a thing that I was curious about. Is there a plot line in which um, like Captain Marvel is a lesbian? Is that a no. thing? You know, okay. Um, actually, in the comics- I didn't know because like in in Thor Ragnar, I mean Marvel's never gonna have a gay superhero, right? I, but like in in uh, Thor Ragnarok, the Valkyrie are lesbians, and there's just like yeah. this one look that they have together where you can sense like they have something more than a friendship. Um, and I was almost curious if there was something like that in the Captain Marvel. Plot in the line future, too. I don't think they're gonna do this in the movies, but she's actually up with Rhodey, uh, Don Cheadle's character. Oh, nice. oh okay. Um, but I don't think that they're gonna do that because they're actually in the comics they're kind of the same age and mm-hmm. Don Cheadle's he's old as fuck <laughs> he's old as fuck he, he, looks, he looks like an ancient man he looks god he, he, he needs the Sam Jackson treatment like yeah. all the time I <laughs> did you know I will say I did pick up on a little bit of like some sort of lesbian vibe. There was vibes. kind of some chemistry, which I mean, it could just all be dismissed. Um, and I don't want to like be like, oh, it's the first female superhero, so they gotta be gay or something like that. <laughs> I don't want to sound like that, but it yeah. was just kind of a no, you're right. Curiosity, yeah. but it works. It works on a very like just female bonding. Uh, like right. I, I don't know from what I've from my conversations with my girlfriend and my sister, like female friendship is very very different than male friendship yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's always this more kind of like uh subliminal like deeper connection with women well that's the way i took it because yeah. i didn't think there's romantic i just thought it was kind of like they're almost sisters in a sense. exactly exactly yeah, it's like this I, very deep friendship that yeah that almost like really because like that's why auntie carol and stuff like that like it's she was family and carol um really did not have family from her i mean she does but um, they don't really dive into it, but her dad's kind of abusive and yeah. stuff like that. I, I like that they didn't dive into it because it's like we've seen those movies before. We've yeah, seen that origin it, before. Yeah. All we need to know is that every superhero has something with the parents. There's always something right. with the parents. So this movie is just like, yeah, there was something with the parents. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's not dwell on it. Like we know that that's just a recurring theme in superhero origins. Exactly. And I, th- I think that just kind of set the way for her um, relationship with them is that she found a new family uh, with them. And that's yeah. why I thought it was the reason they were so close because they're like sisters and stuff like that. One like, moment I that I that. one moment that I wanted that wasn't included is when she actually arrives on the farm and she and uh, Maria sees her. Mm-hmm. I wanted like a big emotional moment of like, "Yo, I thought you were dead. Yeah, like, right. what the fuck?" And all we get is like cut to her being like, "That's the craziest shit I've ever heard." Yeah, right. So I wanted, I wanted a little bit more drama. More I agree with that actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, but I. By the way, guys, I did just do a little bit of fact checking on myself. In the 2014's iteration of Captain Marvel, she is bisexual. Okay, it's confirmed. Um, so that is interesting. Thing, it's it's kind of um, they don't really dive into it though. Okay, it's yeah, it's of more of like a thing, and it's yeah, yeah. Um, but also an interesting point just while googling that is that uh the production chief for Captain Marvel said that the world is ready for an openly gay superhero oh, nice. in the wake of this movie. Yeah, I, I Probably think Probably from they, people saying that. And that's that's cool. I mean, I'd love to see that. That'd be amazing. It, I, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that... Cause, um, just a little bit off topic, but I was watching... Because uh, I work with kids, and I don't know how long this has been going on, but they were talking about stuff on Disney Channel, right? And there's an openly gay character on a Disney Channel show right now. Oh, wow. Um, It's called Andy Mack, I think it's called. And... That's Disney run, obviously, and so is Marvel. So if they can do it on Disney Channel, why not 
with Marvel. That would, I mean, I sometimes mean, the parents are the problem. But, but can Disney you imagine? Channel, can you like, imagine that like this movie is already getting backlash from like oh yeah. meninists that are out there that yeah, are like I didn't even want to touch on that, but we, we I, gotta at least mention yeah, it. Yeah, I mean this movie's already yeah, getting backlash. If there was a gay character, I can't even imagine like Why do how they many have people to have a be, sexuality? Yeah, like yeah. when <laughs> Well I mean, we can have we can have Scarlett Johansson like fuck an alien beast character and See, everybody's fine I'm with like, it. Like where is the where is the outrage when there's like 20 in a row heterosexual couples in a movie why is it such a bad thing that (laughs) one of them might be gay yeah people are gay it's fine guys um one one recurring thing in all of these movies though is like nobody fucks there's never any sex i want although speaking to that i like my next dream movie that i want to happen post avengers is i want there to be like a love story between ScarJo and Bruce Banner, just like that's them what having, I've been saying this whole time. That's what I want is just them to have together. It could fuck. It could be a goddamn rom com. Like I don't care. I, I just I want really want in game to end with those two like going off to the. Sunset. That's one of one of my favorite parts of Ultron is that romance. Everyone hates that, and I love it. I I think it's very well. Good. It I think it's good, and then they poke fun at it in the best kind of way in Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. Sounds getting real low. Sounds going down. Get real low. Sounds going down. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I love. Did that. you guys? I don't want to be the person who compares this to the only one other female superhero movie that we have, but unfortunately, that's where we are in society. <laughs> did you guys like this more or less than Wonder Woman? Um, less personally, but I I still loved it. Yeah, you know, it's tough to compare because they're very different movies. This this movie is part of like a long established universe. Uh, Both of them are flashbacks to varying degrees. Yeah, I think, I think pieces. in some ways, uh, Wonder Woman does a lot of things better. I think I, I love just Chris a movie Pine. Too. Like, it's yeah. just better. I, I love Chris Pine in that. I think he does a really good job. I, I like the stuff in their home world where they're defending it, all the, the battle sequences. Um, I do think that in other ways, Captain Marvel is a little better. Um but I think overall, Wonder Woman would probably take it. They're, they're, I don't know. They're, they're kind of even. I'm not sure. I'd have to rewatch Wonder Woman to I be like sure. I like Wonder Woman. Like it's in my top ten comic movies of the past like ten years. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I love Wonder. I think Wonder Woman did more for like kind of the female empowerment. You than guys Captain know how much Marvel I love Marvel, did. but I like Wonder Woman more than most MCU movies. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. I love Wonder Woman. Well, That's yeah, a in great the context movie. of what DC has done, Wonder Woman is like. By far and away the best one. Yeah. I'd put it like even aside from the DCU. I other than the Dark Knight, it's in maybe the original Superman movie. I like it more than Tim Burton's Batman. I like it more than most DC oh, movies. Damn. Um, yeah, I love. Wonder I do Wonder love. Ba- really... I have a soft spot for Batman Forever. <laughs> the um, Batman or no, ba- Batman Returns. Batman. <laughs> I was going to say I was like the Riddler movie. <laughs> no, Batman. He means Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, Batman and Robin. Just number Look, one. I don't judge, DC. but I was like, number that's one the hill you want to die on, buddy. Go number for one it. superhero <laughs> movie for like. What, I mean, it's like that Kickass Two. Wonder Woman definitely. Oh God. <laughs> Wonder Woman definitely has a much more interesting like visual palette. Like it pops so much well, more. You can feel it feels like Jenkins a war movie. Yeah, exactly. Way more. Behind yes, the it, there's there's a style to it. I don't think Captain Marvel has a style. Yeah, it's it doesn't. Just, no. Well, I mean, because it has multiple different styles. That's why it doesn't have a consistent. Uh, vision yeah, to actually, because it. it has. I think it's Marvel trying to be Marvel, and then it's the director trying to do their thing. Whereas for like Panther, it very much felt like a Ryan Coogler movie. Right. Yeah. Ragnarok was definitely a Taika Waititi movie. Yeah. They. Um, that's and that's kind of one thing where I was wanting like these filmmakers that made these like indie movies to kind of right. bring like what Coogler and what Taika have done to bring like a 
one consistent vision to the story and it didn't quite hit that mark for me at I, least maybe it maybe it was lack of trust from marvel themselves i think so and i promise this is on topic but did you guys ever see the movie the writer from last year yes yes he, i didn't i didn't see the it. director <sighs> that is tapped to make the eternals I, yeah I didn't um hear that. which i i hope she's able to do more in the direction of ryan coolers or taika waititi's thing uh where she's able to have her own style with that mm-hmm. movie other than this, because again, I, I love this movie, but I would like to see her really do her thing. Yeah. Like that. I'd be in. I would be all because after that, that movie, what the writer even, is a, what would that even oof, look like? Movie. Like, what about the writer? Do you think could be applied um, style wise to I Eternals? Honestly, the writer kind know. of has like a, it almost has a griminess to it in the like it's 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 so sad, <laughs> just it fundamentally is, yeah. sad, which the Eternals cannot be Honestly, that, I was but... really surprised that they went for her for that movie. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's really cool. I'm curious to see, because, I mean, otherwise, the writer's very small. The other movie that she's done before is also super small. But What did she do before? Um, do you know? I can't remember what the name of it is. I wanna, something I, to, similar to the writer where they took non-actors and made them actors. Okay. I want to have a, a discussion about like the future of the MCU, but I, I want to wrap up some more thoughts about uh, Captain Marvel before then. So I want to backtrack and touch on... I mean, I've already talked about like how I feel like Brie Larson is... is it gives an inconsistent performance in this movie that that left me very disappointed. But I think that one of the biggest issues in this movie is that it it chooses to tell the story from her perspective and her being like very unaware of who she is. And a lot of people have been, I don't know if a lot, but I've seen com- comparisons to the Born Identity which okay. kind of does the same thing Actually, yeah. about putting, about it. About putting your the main character in this place of them not knowing who they really are. Uh, I think the Born Identity does it a lot better because you truly are discovering along with this person right. the details of their backstory. Mm-hmm. And I think that that could have been much that could have improved this movie so much more if they would have leaned into that more and really because they do put you in her perspective but you know that she's a human like i don't think that's a mystery yeah i don't think that Um, is is like an unknown going into this movie the whole time you know that there's gonna be a reveal that shows you that she was a human that became a superpowered i took my godfather to this and he doesn't know any like I swear he he knows nothing about the comics and he's not online he doesn't know any of this shit and I love taking him to these movies because I like seeing his reaction to things mm-hmm. like when I took him to see Civil War he was legitimately shocked when T'Challa took off his mask and it was him as the Black Panther <laughs> he, was like, he was like ooh it's the guy from the UN meeting Whoa, like, <laughs> like awesome. he is that oblivious and I love it That's great. and he loves these movies but he just does not know anything about the comics and he even knew a lot of what was going on in this movie yeah. like he knew from like yeah, the get go very... oh she's from Earth like well, because human, blah, blah. because yeah. we see a flashback to the tarmac at the very beginning. beginning. Exactly, that's so what I'm saying. So they don't yeah. hide, they don't even try to. No, hide they don't it. even try to. Yeah. Which I love that scene. But scene, when yeah. you're trying to create drama and tension around the details of 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 this character, when you're basing your story around a character who doesn't have a solid memory of her life, right? That really falls apart, and you you're kind of just sitting there waiting for her to get to the point where she remembers See, her I'm, identity i'm wondering if maybe this could be a situation where will future sequels maybe make this a better movie 
where we can maybe maybe yeah, when we have a Captain Marvel trilogy sure. and she has her entire run with the Avengers and we just we have her like entire character arc over the MCU, maybe we can look back in a few years and say and I'm not defending that from the issues this movie has, but maybe we can look back in a few years and say, Hey, maybe this movie just kinda of set the groundwork for other things to come. Well, I mean, and they Marvel has proven to do that before. I mean, they've retconned the entire Thor character to I make mean, him a much better and character. Doesn't Winter Soldier kind of make the first Avenger a little bit of a better movie? It too? does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they're able to like do that with Hydra, with Peggy, and every like all that. I think it makes the stuff in that For a little sure. bit more emotionally resonant. And again, like, that's not to you know invalidate your opinions on the um, issues that the movie has because it's very valid. But this that but I, that point ties back to something that we talked about when we reviewed Infinity War that you can't really look at these movies as individual pieces anymore I know. we're I past know. that point and you have to you go into this movie knowing that it is a necessary piece of the puzzle leading into end it's very much a comic like yeah. it's like a weekly comic at this point yeah that's what's become <laughs> um i will say i'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention annette benning playing three different I characters loved her in i movie. wish there was more of her she I, I, that's yeah. i would take Listen, out take out um Jude Law. No, can, you can keep bless Jude his Law heart. There. Bless just Jude take Law. Out, take out Lee Pace. Take out that character from this movie. I love Lee Pace. And just add <laughs> add a couple more scenes of Annette Benning. We got Annette Benning dancing to Nirvana in this movie. That's all oh, I need. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Such I forgot a about weird that. scene. I, I would not give it up for the world. I, I loved that scene where like a lot of the mu- some of the music cues didn't work for me. I just loved "Come as You Are" playing. Yes. she's just like you dancing. Know, that's gonna be a Twitter around. meme in a few months when yeah. it goes on DVD quality, and they're gonna edit other songs over it. That the look of that ai space i think could have been a little better i read a take on twitter and it said that scene kind of reminded the sky of the last jedi when ray's in her um the mirror oh yeah yeah, like just kind of like this kind of place of self-reflection i did think it was cool when uh carol goes through through the thing she like throws her sideways and then the camera turns with her and then she sinks into it It it's like interstellar when matthew mcconaughey is falling down and he sees like the images of the past and it's kind of like the sunken place yeah i loved it yeah Yeah. i I thought that was kind of the best visual moment of the movie even Mm -hmm. though it was kind of it was very it was obviously cgi but i thought it was so distinctly weird that i appreciate and i wish the movie did that more I, I wish agree, it, yeah. it because a lot of the movie doesn't. We spend a lot of time with her in a nine inch nails t shirt, like <laughs> looking through files right. and stuff. And, yeah. and, and there's just not enough of that weirdness throughout. Uh, by the way, does she wear two different nine inch nail shirts? Does she? Oh, it's like a um, gray one and a white one. Oh, no. Does she? Oh, boy. Oh, wow. I could yeah, be wrong. I didn't, I didn't even pick up on did, that. I could be wrong. Speaking but I, to that, did you? were you guys ever bothered by the 90s porn that we got uh, of just. I, I just thought the, the, the No Doubt reference. the no doubt song was a little corny. Uh, there's some. There's a ton of other songs that I didn't find I, annoying. I did say I like one thing. It was just in like a flashback that she has. But whenever she walks in the bar and she like has all these memories and she sees herself singing "Kiss Me Deadly" like karaoke and everything. I love that moment. Yeah, like I love that little that piece. Was great. Uh, that was also, the 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 Tesseract is in a Fonz. Uh, Lunchbox. Yeah, that that was <laughs> that the was only so... one where I was like, okay, that's kind of eye rolling. Yeah, that's, is that even nineties happy that days? Means, that means no, that the Fonz. Remember, is... and that bidding was from the eighties, and she was on Earth in the eighties, so okay. that's why she would have it on the ship. There the Fonz go. is in the MCU now. Oh, Henry Winkler. Yeah, yeah. confirmed. <laughs> Can we yeah. talk about the cat real quick? 
Yes, I we I Goose. almost we forgot. forgot about the cat. So it's the reason why uh, Nick Fury lost his eye, which I thought was That's one canon of the, now. W- it why? was one of the most. Why? It was one of the weirdest <laughs> hey, moments in the movie. Exact dialogue from Winter Soldier. The last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. Yeah. He trusted the cat. Yeah, he, he loved that what cat, man. Yes. Like, I just don't know why. Like, I was expecting this to have so much of, like, a better, a more dramatic thing. Instead, it's like the I conflict of, is all wrapped up and the cat scratches his eye. Even I though the kind of appreciated that. I like how it was kind of turned into a joke. Like, I was yeah, like, I like that, actually. It, it, I, I rolled my eyes. <laughs> I I, I you rolled your one eye? Yeah. <laughs> your one working eye? It's fine. It doesn't It doesn't make a huge impact. And it kind of, they poked fun at the end when Coulson's like, is it true that the scroll is interrogated you and had to take out your eye or something and like that's already like that's starting the theories of how he lost his eye right yeah right, the stories yeah yeah, yeah. he's too embarrassed to tell people that he lost his eye from a cat yeah. Yeah, i thought <laughs> i thought the way they like had the reveal of like the tentacles coming out of the cat's Loved mouth it. that was really well done <laughs> i there was one guy in my theater that you know took the mantle of being the obnoxious theater goer and, and he just screamed out so that everybody could hear him he was like can we take a second everyone can we just take a second right now? <sighs> After that happened, I was like, oh, yeah. And then earlier in the movie, he was rude again. What was the other thing? Oh, yeah. The 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 CD loading bit. Oh, I yeah. He was like, he was <laughs> when when they're sitting, that comedic moment, yeah, where they're yeah, sitting yeah. there waiting for it to load. He's like, um, dial up. <laughs> and i was just like am i right guys yeah we got <laughs> no v- you're not right. alta vista am i right guys <laughs> this guy next to me and he didn't annoy me he was actually kind of funny but he, he i could tell he was like stoned out of his mind and he was just kind of like making little comments like under his breath but i heard it because i was sitting right next to him and like he was commenting on every scene that ben Mendelssohn was in he's like <laughs> this guy <laughs> this guy and then like that scene where he's like slipping on the drag he's like oh, i fucking love this guy <laughs> same <laughs> yeah yeah i honestly to to touch on Ben Mendelsohn again, I was so happy with him because he's he's always yeah. this bad guy, and to turn him into like one of the most sympathetic, I want, uh, emotionally I want him to come resonant. Back. Yeah, I think he will. Well, I mean, okay. he'll be back in a sequel, but I hope that I just should throw him in a fantasy. So this this ties into the last point that I wanted to um to touch on before we move on to like the the future of the MCU. The 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 way they handled the scrolls in this movie. So you you talked about how you think that it's great that they made them the good guys, the sympathetic ones. I think that's great. Right. But that raises a lot of question marks as to how the scrolls are going to play a role in the future of the series. And I think that I, okay. So first of all, before we really unpack that, I really wanted to see like more weird shape-shifting stuff in this movie because the, the third act could have been like a switch on a switch on a switch That's on a what switch I on a to switch see. on a yeah, switch yeah, yeah. of like you not knowing who anybody is. I would have loved, loved, loved that if they just like really latched onto that for this story. But maybe the reason why they didn't do that is because they didn't want to like squeeze everything out of that fruit. I heartily believe that. I really before do. we yes. get into them really mining that I, in other movies. I really do believe my theory is that they're setting up the whole thing at the beginning of the movie where um, the Kree were invading the planet, they prove, and even what Ben Middleton says later, how much the Kree have hurt them over the years. Right. I think that will make um, almost like a sh- extremist uh, scrolls, like where there's good scrolls and there's Ooh, like kind of maybe like Killmonger. Ooh, that would like be a really cool. Like version of yeah. um, scrolls. I would love that. Where, and that's how the evil scrolls, because they're not evil at the beginning, but 
it's been 20, 30 years like almost Like different now. tribes of yes. scrolls. Kind so there of, are going to yeah. be scrolls that maybe lost their families and then they want to take it out on humans or different species. Like that w- that's kind of reflects the real world, like mm-hmm. why people go to extremist groups. Yeah. Because they were terrorized at one point. Right. And that's why I think they're kind of setting the groundwork. The the Kree abusing them is going to, down the road, lead to... um, And that's why I think they showed the kid scrolls in this movie how much they were affected by this. I'm diving yeah. so much into this stupid thing, but <laughs> well, I, think I, really... it's, I think it's important for yeah. the the new movies because I think that past Thanos, Thanos, this could be the next big. Bad. I think yeah. maybe Avengers Four is going to be a Secret Invasion or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. or Secret Wars or whatever, um, because they're they're going to come back. I think, and I think Talos Ben Mendelsohn's character is going to be like an ally. At I some didn't point. even think about how this could lay, lead right into Secret War, but you're right. Like that, I do. That's, that's kind my of big perfect. Theory. Yeah, that's kind that, of my that big would theory. just make sense. Like this establishing of shapeshifters. I think we're gonna have uh, Endgame. We're gonna have a Captain Marvel sequel, but I think the post credits of that are gonna like tie in for Avengers Five, Secret Wars. How soon do you think we'll get a Captain Marvel sequel? Well, so it's 2019 right now, and probably 2022, 20, 22, 22. Yeah. I'd say, and right. then maybe like in a Avengers Five, like 2024. Maybe, maybe let's let's look at just next year. So this year we have Endgame and Far From Home, and that's it. And next year there's three, but they're we don't know. We don't know. So. If they keep well, three a year, I know we'll definitely get well, a Black Panther two at some point, well, but maybe the not next year. Rumor for next year, the two that I think Black are really Widow, coming here, Black Widow Eternals. and the Eternals, because there the rumor is that Black Widow is shooting in a few weeks. Yeah, and there's another rumor that uh, the Eternals is shooting at like September October. So we'll definitely get those. And um, I think there's a third one next year, but I have no idea what it would be. I mean, and at what point are they going to bring in the X Men and all the Fox um, characters? Well, the maybe rumor like right well, the rumor right now is that they're going to introduce the X Men on Disney Plus, the streaming service, like as individual shows. Like they're going to have a Weapon oh, X show about Wolverine, and like a Professor X show, a Magneto show, and then once all those shows have their first seasons. They're going to make Damn, a movie. That's insane. So you don't, you get all the baggage out of the way on this series, and then you have a movie where you don't have to introduce any of that. Right. You just have a proper X-Men movie. That's yeah. smart. Um, that's the rumor, though. That's just the rumor that I've Because then you can either watch the show to actually understand the characters, or if you already have background who these characters are, then for the casual person, you're like, yeah, I've seen like five X-Men movie. I can just jump right in. I exactly. kind of know who these yep. characters are. So yeah, that, that works. Yeah. I'm mostly excited for a, a, a Fantastic Four movie that's I do, actually good. I do um, hate yeah. that uh, um, because there's all these movies in the work, it kind of does take a little bit of the tension away. That's just like, yeah, obviously Black Panther isn't dead. Like, obviously, Black Panther, yeah, yeah, like it's one of those things where there's I, another Spider Man. I don't mind that so much because I, you just know that they're not going to kill Black Panther. But at this point of Endgame. I don't know about you guys, but I really don't know who's going to die. Like, what if, I really I, don't know. I kind of, I mean, the Guardians could just die at this point. That would be a convenient way for them to not make a Guardian. They're, they're still working on Guardians um, 3. Did you see who was um, up for that, apparently? Paul Feig. Really? Yeah, uh, I don't know if I really like that. It like really worked for Ghostbusters. So uh, I don't blame him for Ghostbusters. But I, don't, I, I never saw that's it. That's a studio but also, problem. But also, I don't want him anywhere near Guardians because James Gunn made that movie so much of his own thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, just bring him back, Disney. Um, <laughs> yeah, might as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just excited for the future of the MCU. Like, I'm really. Just... Well, Endgame, was, Endgame is gonna be a big turning point because if they truly want to end it as they're titling it, yeah, then it has to do enough to satisfy the the conclusion of a single story, but then 
yeah. set up another one. And I don't know if they'll set it up in Endgame. Maybe post-credits. But yeah. they'll at least have to do something to keep people well, interested. The way it seems it's going right now is that the next Avengers movie, I'd say the lineup's going to be Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. maybe Scarlet Witch and Vision. Blade? <laughs> oh yo did you hear that uh, yo hawkeye the guys guys we forgot hawkeye again. well he's he has a farm and a family now. Yeah. yeah that's right okay <laughs> but did you see the fan casting for mahershala ali as uh as blade, blade? Oh, oh my god yeah. Yeah. that's just dope. perfect literally he's just wearing glasses one day and they're like <gasps> blade <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just get wesley snipe back i think he really needs some money how old is he now like 50 something he's been bankrupt like five times at this point just Poor get the guy. dude some he got money. fucked yeah <laughs> that was not his fault he got like ri- like ridiculously fucked by the irs <laughs> all right any last thoughts on captain marvel i think we can wrap it up uh, um it's it's good marvel yeah marvel doing its thing again yeah it's Just, not bad it's another it's a cog in the it's machine solid. i mean yep. you know i loved it but i admit my bias and i'm fully willing to. i, I will say <laughs> they did a great job of showing us that that brie larson and this character in captain marvel is a formidable force yeah, I, very right. powerful badass my problems with this movie i think are very confined to this movie and i'm still like this didn't take away from my excitement as captain marvel's character because i think that sequels and more uses of her down the line mm-hmm. are going to be better it well, felt like a very kind of obligatory thing yeah, to be like yeah. all right we gotta have the one movie that introduces her and they just didn't like maximize how which is well, what they could have done it's still frustrating with the movie. because well, this is the first female character and the first female director to work on a marvel movie and so it kind of it sucked, at least for me. I'm, I wish that it would have worked for me more like it did for you, Adam, but it. I wish that they didn't just kind of use this as obligatory setup as much. Well, you know what? If anything, uh, the Marvel has proven, it's that they can take char- characters like uh, uh, Captain America and Thor and kind of give them room to breathe mm-hmm. and evolve over time, and then they be- can become these beloved characters. Right. And I think by, until at least Ragnarok, you didn't really get the full scope of everything Thor could do. Mm-hmm. You didn't get the full scope of everything uh, Cap could do until Winter Soldier. So I just hope she evolves. I mean, time. even Doctor Strange. Like, I yeah, I, I, I didn't him. really like Doctor... Like, I thought Doctor Strange was fine as a character, but then yeah. you see him in Infinity War, and I'm like, okay, this I guy liked and in Ragnarok. Yeah. I liked his movie. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I forgot about that, because I liked his movie. I didn't love it. That's one of the movies that I like, I, like, I don't love. Um, but I loved him in Ragnarok, just that one little bit. And then in Infinity War, I'm like, yeah, that's Doctor Strange. Like, that's the one that I've been reading for years. And I just hope Captain Marvel, and again, why I love this movie, I hope she gets the chance to evolve. Right. over this big course of the MCU. And I, I have faith in, in Brie Larson as as an actress. I yeah. She is so, so talented. And again, even, even though I, I didn't think it quite worked for me here, I know that down the road, this is going to work. Yeah, I know I it's going to work. Yeah. And I know that in Endgame, I, I, I'm hoping that in Endgame, those same issues aren't there. Well, I mean, has an Avengers movie ever really failed with presenting a character even if it's like like i mean maybe ultron with quicksilver they killed uh, him in that movie but even but like people were like hesitant about vision popping up in that movie because he was kind of overpowered but it's worked out pretty well in my opinion he was great yeah Yeah. so i i have full confidence in marvel because kevin feige is too smart of a guy he's a perfect businessman yeah um so i'm really i I just can't wait for endgame and i I can't wait to see her future take my money disney i'm so ready (laughs) (laughs) for the next hundred years oh and disney just real quick the 
uh, mid credit scene of this movie. Yeah, when she's oh actually with God. the Avengers. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. that was great. When they uh, great ending. What Black Widow turns around and she like the music amplifies. Yeah, here's Fury. <laughs> oh, so good. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, you can reach us at We Bought a Mic on Twitter and We Bought a Mic at gmail.com with your thoughts on True Detective, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Let us know what you thought of the movie or True Detective or anything else that we talked about and uh yeah yell at us it'd be great to hear some thoughts from some women please if you're a girl out there <laughs> listening to the to the show let us know what this means women to don't you. listen to us sourced if if this is a big moment for you to see a, a female on the screen of one of these movies or if you're right a scroll you know if, and you want a representation <laughs> um <laughs> yeah scroll rights yeah all right what do you want to plug adam uh well i just want to shout to our mutual friend harry and i just want to say harry, harry you told, Sayer, yeah yeah you told me harry to defend the scrolls and i think i did a pretty good job on this podcast hey, you did do a good i did job. it all for you buddy um you can find me on twitter at adam j sidorius and letterboxd uh adam sidorius and yeah that's pretty much it hunter um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt Mobley. That's H U N T M O B L E Y, or on my website huntmobley.com. Yo, um, I'm gonna write another piece this week. Might be about True Detective. Might be about Captain Ooh. Marvel. Might be about life in general. Who knows what's gonna yeah, happen? Just how, so, how's it going? Yeah, I'm just gonna kind of do like free form thoughts. I'm gonna yeah. be Matthew McConaughey maybe, season one. Maybe you could do something uh, about Jordan Peele. Leading up to us, yeah, that to us in uh, uh, Twilight Zone. He's going being to the new peel, face of Twilight Zone. He's going to peel us. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right, I'm at Calderness Twitter, Letterbox, Instagram, all that shit. So hit me up. Uh, let me know what you thought of the show. Like us on all our social media. Follow us. Whatever you want to do. Subscribe. Hit the bell. All that shit. Um, Oh, leave us a review on iTunes. That's the other thing I was going to say. Five stars. <laughs> it helps a lot. Tell your friends. Let us uh, let us know. Yeah. Let us know what else we can talk about. We have a lot of other cool things coming up. We're bringing on some more guests to talk a bunch of cool things um, in the, 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 the times of pop culture in this crazy world. Next week, uh, Triple Frontier. Oh, yeah. I Ooh, forgot about that. Triple yeah. Frontier. Yeah. We'll break it down. Sure. Uh, I, I think ne- next week we're going to try to do a big um, live music special. Oh, yeah. So we're going to talk like festivals and concerts and uh, all the cool live bands that we've seen in, in our days. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, stay wabammy. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thanks Peace. for listening. We love you. Bye.